Beep Beep Lovelies, it's the newest installment of Dead and Lovely, the ultimate horror podcast. It's your favorite. You'll like it. Trust me, your good buddy Uncle Ben. <laughs> me, Hollywood. Steve, was that like some sort of hypnosis you just put on people? That was it's really working. good. You're enjoying the show. You're supporting us on Patreon and reviewing us on iTunes and Spotify. Breathe deeplier. Oh, can we Does pause the record so I can hand on over to Patreon and become a patron? You know what? what? Is it I think it's yeah. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M forward slash dead and lovely. Oh, yep, there we are. That's the place to go. Well, that's look us. at that, man. Look there at that. Is. And we're back at you today to be talking about IT Chapter mm-hmm. Dose, man. This is a this is a movie, I'll tell you what, and we're going to talk about it later on in the episode. If you want to get straight what? on to the movie review, you can uh, check it out. Uh, the the timestamp there in the podcast description, it'll lead you right to it. Wait, you say this is a movie. We didn't watch the IT Crowd episode two? I mean, that's what I watched, yeah. Okay, and then we're talking right, about. good. So we're going to talk about some Richard Iowati antics <laughs> today. <laughs> People looking at the timestamp are like, it's going to be how long to talk about a 30-minute episode of a show? <laughs> I better use that timestamp and get straight on to the movie review or whatever. Damn. Yeah, head on over there. Of course, before that, we're going to catch up, shoot shit, slam a co-beer, do the stuff that we do over here at DNL. Now that we are out of action August, we are back in horror turf. It's starting to become spoopy season again. Yeah, I am there. willing mm-hmm. with all my might to get that little chill in the air. It's not working so far, though. It's hot as hell. <laughs> it is. We had a day where I think the high was like low 80s, and that was, was really nice. nice and it, it cool. felt like... Oh, man, it's coming. No, it's not. It's not no. coming. It is hot as fuck. It is hot as fuck out there, man. I'll tell you what. I've had myself a pretty damn hot week. It has been a busy one for me. How about you? Oh, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I was busy for sure with a whole lot of watching it. And we'll talk about <laughs> that in a little bit. Uh, beyond that, I have not. I have not done a ton. But what have you been up to? Dude, it's been a uh, it's been a hectic one. I had a a really great gig the other day. I was playing the official UT football tailgate kickoff event oh, okay. with uh, my good buddy Dave Kennedy and his band Kelsey's Woods. It was a very I'll tell you, it was a very unusual gig for me because I'm typically the guy that likes to do all the homework and know the tunes inside and out. Right. And I got the notice for this gig like a week before. And that's when I had the the Woodshed Guitar Camp and stuff. And I told Dave, I was like, man, I don't really have time to go over these tunes. I don't think I have time to learn, you know, three hours of, like, country material. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's fine. Just show up. And if I nod at you, just play a solo. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> okay, fine. Like, I totally don't do those kinds of gigs usually. But it was such a such a good experience. I think for me, like, mentally right now, um, where I'm just trying to just, you know, let go and go with the flow and right. all that jazz. It was really the right kind of gig for me to do. So it turned out really good. It was fun, man. I've been working on a bunch of original music. Holy yeah. shit, has that ever been fucking gratifying, man. That's awesome. Oh, dude. I got to start saying no a lot more to a lot of things so I can right. start saying yes to me. How about that? Ooh, I love Wild the, idea. That, that, is, that book needs to exist. Say yes to you. By Uncle Ben Eller. By Uncle yeah. Ben Eller, like yeah. Uh-huh. So working on some original music, really, really excited about it, man. Some of these are like ideas that I've had for years that I've never finished. Some of them are things that are just fresh off the old brain cells, but I can't mm-hmm. wait to share it with everybody. It's going to come together real nice. 
Uh, so it's been fucking busy, man. But I have had time to watch a thing or two this week. Oh, yeah. What have you been watching? All right. Let's kick it off here. We okay. watched a movie that honestly was so much better than it deserved to be needed to be i'm not even gonna say that it was fucking great or anything but it was above my expectations which were admittedly rock bottom um we watched the lost city which is that movie that came out i think this year maybe last year it's got old sandy b plus okay uh america's favorite potato face what's his name channing tatum (laughs) oh channing tatum okay yeah America's got him in there. Favorite potato face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I the moment you said Channing Tatum, I was like, yeah. But in my head, I was like John Cena. But yeah, yeah. you know what? Yeah, yeah. But both <laughs> handsome guys. Potato face is still accurate. Hey man, I love potatoes. That's hey, not even a diss. I fucking love a good potato. You look at you look you look at Channing Tatum dancing around with his abs, and you're like, fuck, I could go for a baked potato. Dude, if I could throw sour cream and cheese and butter on that guy, come on, you'd have a good Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just mash him. If I could mash, mash him, that guy. Just mash him up. Mm-hmm. I see that face and I'm like, would mash. I would, would mash. <laughs> mashable face. <laughs> Channing Tatum, America's most mashable man. <laughs> so, like, this movie was basically Romancing the Stone. Like, it's really you know nearly a remake of it but wow it was actually kind of okay i was very shocked by it man i had a couple of like witty moments in there again not not amazing or anything but just throw it on on a saturday afternoon you're probably not going to be too pissed about it okay all right uh we watched it chapter one i was like well if we're doing it chapter Ah. two i should probably watch chapter one again so i did watch through that uh i still really like it a lot i think it's really Mm -hmm. fucking good man yeah, I'll talk about it here in, in just a second. I, I also oh, yeah. rewatched it, but uh, um, I, I did something in particular that changed my um, appreciation of it, like up oh. even more. <laughs> okay, yeah, All but right. I, I think it chapter one still uh, in in twenty five years, I'll look back at it chapter one and be like, that is a fucking classic horror movie. Like, that, yeah, that yeah, it's it's a mainstay for sure. Yep. I'll just always kind of rewatch that one. I've watched that mm-hmm. one a billion times, yep. and uh, it never really lets me down. It's always a good one. Yep, I agree. We watched um, They Slash Them the other okay. night. Okay, yeah, the Kevin Bacon, like, um, Pray the Gay Away camp type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is essentially a, a gay conversion camp slasher. Okay. And we watched the trailer for it, and it was like, ah, this looks good enough. And, okay, good and bad. Good and bad right. about it. Um, I'm not going to say that I liked it. I will likely never watch it again. I don't think <laughs> it's a good horror movie at all. Like, I think that there's... Man, especially for, like, a camp slasher, which you, you know I love me a good camp slasher. Right. There's, like, no memorable kills or anything in it at all. Well, how are you going to do that with a camp slasher? That's, like, the camp slasher mainstay. I know. Memorable and you've kills. even got a, a Kevin Bacon in there. He's been slashed at a right. camp before. A very memorable kill himself. Indeed, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the more that I think about it, the more that I'm like, oh, that was kind of that was kind of the point. Like the most horrific thing is the fact that they are at a gay conversion camp. That's scary enough. The fact that like just the setting didn't set me off is just a byproduct of my viewpoint in life and my experience is just a you know, whatever, straight cis white guy. Like the setting itself is the horrific part. And the fact that you have these counselors that are like 
you know, misgendering people and dropping people's uh, old names and stuff. Like, those are the things that are horrific about it. And probably okay. if you're someone who has experience uh, in the world as uh, as a person who, you know, has been at one of these camps or anything, it's probably a lot scarier to you. There's setup there, for sure, of something good. Like, when I yeah. heard about what it, what it was going to be, I was like, ooh, that could be good or that could be really iffy. Yeah, and that's kind of like where I'm on the fence about it. I'm like, it's cool that, you know, we have a movie that is uh, representing these issues. It's cool that somebody made a camp slasher that's kind of a different angle on the usual thing. Right. So it's like, there's cool points there, but I just think the execution is is just not very good. It kind of got so wrapped up in the message that it forgot to make a good movie around itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, that happens more often now. Uh, Right. I've been seeing it a good bit. I would say with uh, that Black Christmas remake for sure. Where oh, it, dude, that's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah, it just got too wrapped up in the message itself without remembering that you're making a horror movie and it needs to, I don't know, maybe connect to the Black Christmas of the past so yeah, that people maybe. will like it. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I, I, I can't recommend it. You know, maybe if your personal experience is different, you'll get more out of it than I I did. Or yeah. you'll get madder at it than I did. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would like some I, I more will viewpoints watch on it, it. Uh, eventually. But every single person I know who's watched it has been like, mm, not really. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen like a couple of people online be like, "Oh, watched it. I really enjoyed it. It was something different." And I will say, yeah, it's like it was something different. Uh, but mm, okay. Uh, I don't know. I would like to know other viewpoints that are you know more educated in that world yeah. than I am. So yeah. if you're like in our Facebook group and you've watched let it, especially know. if you're a part of that community, let me yeah. know more about how you felt about it. I would like to know more about it. So uh, last night we watched the Guar documentary though on Shutter, oh, and that fuck. was fucking awesome. Was it? I bet. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's great, man. And you know, it's the kind of thing that. Is there anybody that's really a Guar fan? Like, is there anybody that really like? <laughs> Eat, sleeps, breathes, lives that music, and is just like uh, my favorite fucking band, Guar. Of course not, you know. I, I mean, a guy I, I worked with, uh, a dishwasher um, at a restaurant I worked at. I'd say Guar was in his top three favorite bands. Wow. Uh, he was also a crust punk. Um, so he, <laughs> he, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that most of his musical tastes would fit with everybody. But he he yeah. loved him some Guar uh, and, and uh, Sawin. God, he was a huge Sawin fan. Oh, yeah, dude. Sam Hain. But, you know, like, knowing that, you know, even if you're not really a Guar fan, which which I'm not at all, like, I, I've had the pleasure of, like, playing a show with Guar whenever I was on tour with Unearth. We played with them in Boston. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the show is obviously uh, where it's at. You watch yeah, Guar. You don't really listen to Gore. You watch it. Yeah. yeah. It was a fucking blast. And, like, backstage, all those people associated with Guar, everybody was fucking awesome and a great hang. Um. So, you know, even if you're not a huge fan of the band or anything, you don't need to be to watch this. It is really no. at its core just okay. about a bunch of fucking punk rock artists that are just out to do this uncompromising, ridiculous shit, yeah. no matter who likes it. And it, it's pretty cool, man. It's yeah. a pretty rad watch. I'd recommend I it. I don't know if I could name a single Guar song. No, nah, me neither. <laughs> so I, I take it, your though. meaning when you say Gore's not anybody's favorite band. It's like, yeah, yeah it's really about like the live performance and, and seeing like the crazy stage show and all the oh, yeah. awesome costumes and stuff. 
It was worth a watch. I would definitely recommend it, man. And um, I think the only other thing that we watched this week was the uh, the live stream of the Taylor Hawkins uh, oh, yeah. Foo Fighters mm-hmm. tribute that went on last weekend at Wembley. Wembley. And uh, man, okay, for one, it started at 11.30. We had some guests coming over later that night around like five or so mm-hmm. uh, for some dinner plans and stuff. And I was like, cool, we'll watch this. And then I'll probably have a couple hours to work on some music. And then we got companies showing up. Um that did not happen. It is six hours long. No, whoa. It's six hours. It ended at wow. 530. Like after our people had showed up, it's like, oh, this is still on. <laughs> so we're still watching it, of course. <laughs> Dude, it was it was really, really neat. I, I thought yep. that it was really cool. Like I figured it would be nothing but like Foo Fighters songs. But instead, the way they kind of mixed it up is it was all, you know, musicians that personally knew Taylor, had worked with Taylor, and they were all just playing stuff that he he liked. So you had like Josh Hom from Queens of the Stone Age doing David Bowie tunes. Okay. Which was fucking awesome, dude. Did you get to see any of this stuff? No, no. I, I saw people talking about it, but I, I didn't watch it. Man, look up. It's it's Josh Homme and um can't remember who else was in the band, but it was some other fucking sick players. I think the the bass player from Jane's Addiction was up there. Mm. Oh, and not Nile Rogers was playing guitar, so it was fucking sick. Oh, cool. Uh doing like Let's Dance by Bowie. Holy Let's shit. Done. Yeah. Like, I don't immediately think, oh, I bet Josh Hom would sound awesome singing that. But actually, when you hear him do Bowie, you realize how Bowie-ish his vocals are. It's fucking huh. sick, man. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that was really good. And then also, too, like, I think the, the coolest part for me was getting to see Wolf, Wolfgang Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen's son. Mm-hmm. He got up there with Dave Grohl on bass, um, Josh Freese on drums, and Justin Hawkins from The Darkness on vocals. And they did a couple of Van Halen tunes, which Wolf Van Halen has kind of made it like a big stance to be like, I'm not playing Van Halen songs. I'm out to do my own thing musically. My dad's music is what it was. Um, And he's doing it very well. I think his fucking band is awesome. Awesome. But, you know, in in honor of of Taylor, who is a huge Van Halen fan, they got up and they did On Fire, which is so fucking sick. I never hear anybody cover that tune. And they also did hot for teacher and they just annihilated it. Dude. Wolf sounded fucking amazing. It was blowing my mind. It was so good, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So there was some really sick stuff in there. Really glad that I watched it. Uh, it is, it is a whole day of music. I tell you what. Yeah. Six hours. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a whole I, bunch. Th- I say that and it's like, I've been to six hour concerts and longer, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's what, when you go to the concert, it's like, that's the thing you're doing. When you're at home, it's like, man, I, I, I easily would just end up looking at my phone for too long. <laughs> like, uh, like uh, I'm just going to go cook something real quick. Six hours, man, that's a long time. It's a lot, dude. And I'll tell you, man, whenever you get to the end of the night and it's just, uh, it's just the Foo Fighters playing a couple of tunes and Dave yeah. talking to the crowd and stuff. That should be the new test for, like, are you a replicant or not? Like, get rid of the tortoise test. Okay. Uh, just show Dave talking about Taylor. And if you don't just start fucking bawling like a child, you probably aren't human. Okay. All right. So, Whew. if I suspect any family members, friends, acquaintances of being a replicant, yes, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I mean... You might be, and you don't even know it, dude. You should probably Holy watch shit. it just to be sure. It's like a self-check, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to be a replicant and not know about it. Because if you no, know about it, not. then you could... Uh, huh. Well, I guess it doesn't Do change something anything. about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably not, honestly. <laughs> but it'd still be nice to know. You could at least warn people. Hi, nice to meet you. I am replicant. 
I'm a replicant. Listen, everything I'm doing is apparently scripted. I didn't know about it. Yeah. But, uh, what are you going to do? Still good to know, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> definitely a, uh, a suitable tribute. It was fucking great, man. Really enjoyed it, man. What have you been watching? Cool. Oh, man. Um, numero uno, been watching The Great British Baking Show. Yeah. Dude. Um, <sighs> boy. Let me tell you. What a feel-good watch, man. It, it, it is. It's wonderful. And, and like, it's just like, you know, the, 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 uh, sur- what, what's that show called? The great, oh, the, the pottery, pottery throwdown. throwdown yeah, that yeah. we did for, um, a Patreon exclusive episode. Same format, same, you know, collaborative feel and environment. Bunch of people that, you know, just want everybody to make their thing and then have it judged um and it's cool but it's about food so i like it even more <laughs> but right? it also means the entire time i'm sitting there i'm like i could just make a cake right now i could just go make a cake <laughs> there's nothing stopping you man <laughs> not a thing so i did um i made emily some uh cinnamon cinnamon swirl cupcakes with cinnamon Ooh. icing she's a Ooh. huge cinnamon fan they were fucking great man that I, sounds awesome <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, so great British breaking, uh, show, um, we started, we didn't start with the beginning cause Netflix doesn't even have all the seasons. We started with, I think it was from 2019. So the season before the COVID lockdown season, Word. um, and everybody in the season is just adorable and you root for them all, et cetera. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful, fun watch. That's a feel good watch. Yeah. Um, I also watched a movie that I would say is not a feel good watch, but is, is a good watch. Uh, we're all going to the world's fair. I don't know that one. Yeah. It's about like, uh, it's kind of like an internet. Um, what do you call that? A little, it's kind of a little bit of a creepy pasta feel, but like also those, those, uh, those internet online games where they basically try to scare each other with stories or whatever. Okay. Uh, it, it is essentially that, uh, but then as you're watching it, it feels like, oh wait, is this a game? Um, and that's the central tension of the film. And I won't say anything more than that, except huh. that the the main actress Anna Cobb, I think, is great. She did a great job, especially considering she's acting against nothing most of the time. Well, the entire. This time. sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I recommend it. I will say I had I had some issue with the ending, but overall I liked the film. Okay, it's on uh, HBO Max. It's only about an hour fifteen or so, so definitely worth a watch. Okay, I'll check it out. Sounds interesting. Sounds like you can't yeah. really say too much about it without yeah, giving a yeah, lot that's away. The thing huh? is, I don't want to say too much about it, and a lot okay. of a lot of the, like tension and and terror comes from the performances, and that's hard to describe so i I would say worth a watch um not worth a watch is a movie called (laughs) ouija shark that we did on friday night i am shocked ouija shark was not good no and you know we had hoped that it would capture the magic of ghost shark you know because i'm just trying to hit that high again and um it didn't now here's the thing it it had some funny moments, some moments where it's like, oh, that was that was silly. And I I didn't I didn't hate everything about it, but it was the longest 70 minute movie I've ever seen. Ooh, dude, when you can make 70 feel long, you're fucking yeah. up. Yeah. Well, I say that actually <laughs> 
Sharks of the Corn is the longest 70-minute movie I've ever seen, but this was number two. Why do Dude, we do you this? Just, you're going to start your own podcast about shark movies? Yeah. Why not? That would be fun. They're wait, so bad. Wait, Almost all of them. Do sharks live in pods? Wait, dolphins live in pods. Right, yeah. What's a shark family called? They don't. They don't associate um they are they're very much singular creatures damn Floaters. i was really hoping to spin some kind of shark pod right. cast, you know that'd be pretty uh, cool somebody has to try that right like uh, we There's don't know why but movies, these sharks dude. seem to work as a team and then it's like you know wait did deep blue sea do that did they work as a team they might have. I don't know. There are a that movie tried of a lot of stuff. shark movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're pretty much all terrible. For universally, I would say, to me, there are only two great shark movies, and that's Jaws and Ghost Shark. Yeah, that's all yeah. you get. <laughs> okay, so um, pass on Ouija Shark. Yeah, yeah, not worth, not worth the time. But House 2, the second story, um, is, always, is always a silly time. It's a weird movie. Um, even if you've seen House, the the sequel is is even stranger. But then also, like, you know, they're both pretty tame. They're both kind of almost kid friendly movies. I would say uh, it's got the dog a pillar and and all these little cute things in it and stuff. But it's also got some some really cool effects and whatnot. So House Two always worth a watch. I think. Have we not done House on the show? No, we haven't. We should. I mean, there are three. What? There. I mean, I think if we're going to do a house movie, we should do the the Japanese. I think it's a Japanese movie. Oh, House. Hausu. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we should do that one first. That one's the best movie titled House. But then the other two house movies are good, I think. I think are at least fun. I'm, I don't know. They're great, but they're fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And that is it for me. Other than, as I said earlier... I watched a whole lot of it shit this week, including <laughs> you can't spell shit without it when you yeah. put it that way. <laughs> so what I did, what I did was I watched it chapter two by itself without watching the first one. Standalone, mm-hmm. just yeah, I just wanted to watch it as a movie by itself and really give it a shot. I actually did that twice, meaning I spent almost six hours watching it chapter two. Before That's a lot. Yes, before then going back, and I watched the 1990 miniseries again. Oh, I've not watched that since we did it on the show like years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I hadn't either, and it, I I would say it went up in my assessment a bit by, yeah. um, by just a little bit because it does some of the adult stuff and the intertwining of the kids and adult stories better than i think it chapter two does and it Hmm. also uses um practical effects in the um chinese restaurant scene and that's a million times better wait it's better than something that's going to look immediately dated as soon as it comes out right um and then after watching the miniseries, which I had reassessed to be better, I watched it chapter one. So I had uh, endured it chapter two in the miniseries, two movies I'm not fan of. Uh, spoiler. Um, and then I sat and watched it chapter one, and I was like, "This movie is so fucking good." Yeah, how it did it right. Fuck, Damn it. Yeah, how in the fuck are these other two properties just nowhere near as good? And I know we've talked about it before that 
it's the source material. The source material's going to be the problem. That's the it, thing, yeah. It's real hard to turn it into movies. But It Chapter 1 is so fucking good. And the It miniseries uh, had a lot more going for it than, than I remembered, but it's still... Hmm. It's still real cheesy. It's still real like, you know, it's a TV movie and it feels very much like that. And the kid actors aren't as good, clearly. And the adult actors don't look anything like the kids and all that Nothing stuff. Nothing like them. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, they definitely did like certain things better um, than this. Yes. It did certain things not as good as this. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of funny. Like when you say it feels like a made for TV movie to somebody of our age demographic or older, yeah. you know exactly what you mean. But like right. these days, yeah. a made for TV movie, probably yeah. pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're really what the made for TV, what that means usually is that kind of a generic soundtrack, usually uh, overlit because it's being shot by TV crews. Um, I don't know, kind of cheesy acting, and then also the the clear commercial breaks. Like yeah, where you dude. know, oh, they went to commercial yep. there. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, if you're like a young person, like a really young person who has only ever watched streaming services, right? <laughs> you're just watching the shit, and it's like, why did it fade to black, then come right back in the right. middle of a scene? <laughs> like, what was that? Oh man, if you have AMC Plus, they some of their movies are. The like the ones they have streaming, they are like that. Like they're they've formatted them to TV, and now they're streaming oh. them like that. So it'll have like these weird like fade moments, and you're like, that's not normally there. <laughs> what the fuck? That's so weird, man. Yeah, that's so weird. Well, maybe I should watch the It series again, man. It has been a while, but I mm. remember not not liking it that much. And, of course, I didn't see it when I was a kid, so I don't right. have the whole, like, oh, this used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid thing. Well, yeah. T- I mean, Tim Curry is amazing. That's yeah. I, that's the thing that we said when we originally did it. And, it, you know, watching it again, I appreciated him even more. Uh, I, I, I think that there's no reason to choose between the two. No. Bill Skarsgård and, and Tim Curry. I think they were yeah, doing two different performances, and both of them do great. Oh, dude, but, it's, it's Jack Nicholson versus Heath Ledger Joker. Right. Like, why even yeah. bother comparing? Neither would work in the other's movie exactly. whatsoever. So yeah, who cares? Exactly. Yeah, so, let's yeah. talk about who was right for the movie. Yeah, and Tim Curry was exactly right for that movie because he carries it the entire fucking time. He's the reason Word. you're watching it. But I've heard, too, that they're apparently doing some kind of It prequel series. Have you heard about this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Welcome to Dairy. It's called. Uh, it's I, as far as I've read, it's going to be set in the the sixties. So it'll be basically it's it's in the universe of the It chapter It and It chapter two movies. So the nineteen sixties will not be the same kids as the book because the book was supposed to be set in like sixties, right? Or late yeah. 50s. Yeah. Late 50s, yeah. yeah. And then the so adults kinda, are in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of just adjusting stories, I guess, from the book uh, 27 years. So hmm. this will be just some different stuff that happened in the 60s or whatever. Now, the thing I mean, is that reading a lot about some of the deleted scenes from the first one and this one, like, they have some cool stuff they could work with that... I, I think if they made it an anthology series of, of like Pennywise fucking with people in different times or something, that could be cool. But I, I don't know. It it seems like it's stretching. It's stretching thin a book that has like 
so much material. <laughs> I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what they're trying to do with it because there's there's so much mythology around dairy that gets fleshed out in the right. uh, in the book, obviously, and they don't touch on any of the stuff in you know the the TV series or the movies about like the black spot, right, right, and all yeah. that. So it's like there's a lot of history about that town. I mean, I don't really know that that makes a great point A to point B story. Like, it would, yeah. you know, you could make a series that's essentially like the Silmarillion of Derry, where it's not sure. really a point A to point B story. It's just more fleshing out of the town and its history. But I don't really know who wants to watch that. So they're probably going to have to, like, make up some kind of through-line story about some other kids that beat it in the past or something. And I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, I, that looks like the way they're going to go about it. I think anthology style would work better for me, where you just maybe tell, you know, three episode stories, um, and and, and then you know move to another time period or whatever. But yeah, that's sure. going to cost a lot more in actors and everything, so they're probably not going to do that. I I. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's coming to HBO next year, so we'll Oh, wow, it's coming soon. Damn. Yeah, I think 2023 is when they hope to have it out. There were I know their the writers room has been together since June, so no idea when they're going into production or whatever, but yeah, mm. I I I will give it a shot. Obviously, I give every horror show a shot, but I yeah, I do wonder what they'll possibly do with it and if like are they getting Bill Skarsgård back? I mean, they're not even to the point of, of casting. Casting, yet. yeah. Yeah. It's a good question, man. It's a good question. I'll tell you the question I have burning in my mind right now. What's that? What's this beer in this can going to be oh, like? Shit. Oh, I'm about to find out about it, man. I got myself a co-beer here that I saw at, at Cork's in the old city, Knoxville, and mm-hmm. it intrigued me because I hadn't seen this one. This is a bearded iris who, of course, are usually known for their IPAs and stuff, like their home yeah. style. This is their moon dust. It's kind of appropriate for Henry okay. Bowers, right? Yeah. Uh huh. M- maybe Pennywise is speaking to me through the moon dust in this can, right? Oh no! Wait, are you gonna start Bowers and everybody? <laughs> I'm not just going Bowers. You, you better watch out now. <laughs> this is their Imperial Milk Stout. It's got Graham, Chocolate, Mallows, and Lactose in it. Holy oh, moly! So s'mores. Is this gonna be like a dessert kind of rig? Sounds like it. Sounds like a s'more. It very well could be. I'm pouring it here into my, my old pint glass. It looks as dark as the inside of a dog, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's pretty dark. Stay out of dogs, everybody. <laughs> it's dark in there. There's nothing you can see anyway. Yeah, you get in there, you're like, can't see shit. I'm getting out of this dog. <laughs> hmm. It smells really good. In the inside of a dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. How, so oh, how's man. It? That's fucking good, dude. Yeah. Ooh. Awesome. We had another, like, s'mores-type stout mm-hmm. on the show a while back, and it was kind of like, eh, it's it's okay. It's kind of... I remember it was kind of smoky, even. It had, like, a campfire oh. kind of thing yeah. going for uh-huh. it. It was okay. I do This is better. That. This is nice. This has a little bit of sweetness to it. Um, it's very smooth for being 8.2%. It'll get you drunk. Get you drunk. I'm not mad at that. The aftertaste is really nice. It's got a good like dark chocolate and like marshmallow kind of aftertaste. I'm not really getting the uh, the Graham flavor in there, but probably if I did, it'd be too sweet. So it's you okay. know the thing about Graham is you won't know if it's in there until later if you um, think, oh, I should masturbate. 
Uh, no, I shouldn't. Then, then no, I shouldn't comes into your mind. Then you'd be like, oh, yeah, there was Graham in there for sure. That was definitely the Graham talking right there. <laughs> you know, sometimes sometimes just to spit in the face of that guy, I'll, I'll just beat off while eating Graham crackers. <laughs> I'll just chomp on them and just be yes. flailing that thing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I just eat corn flakes and Graham crackers and nut. <laughs> just to spit in his damn face yeah fuck you <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what man now that i'm getting myself hydrated on this co-beer yeah. i think it's about time that we move on and just take a little peep into that preview palace welcome to the preview palace Ooh, and i think on today's episode in honor of of pennywise himself i think that we should talk about Maybe some bands what feature a horn section, <laughs> some hup hup hups, because Pennywise was a ska band and they named That's this true. clown after him. Is that right? They named the clown after the ska band. Wow. After the ska wow. band. So we're going to talk about the scariest <laughs> ska bands here. Scariest ska band. Okay. Number one, with a bullet, my man, Voodoo Glow Skulls. What the hell's oh, going on dude. with you guys? I mean, it's definitely spooky. It's right there in the name. They're not out there to hup, hup, have a good time. They're no. out there to do something way creepier, are they not? Uh, what about Buck 09? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even Here know they come. <laughs> I think Watch the scariest out. of all, and, and I would really love to like revisit some of this stuff. I know back in the day, I definitely listened to a handful of Christian ska bands. Can you imagine anything... More insufferable than no, Christian no, Scott I can't. Band. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up in Jesus' name. Yep. <laughs> up, up for the Lord. Up, up for the Lord. <laughs> oh, that's like Guantanamo Bay stuff for sure. Like yeah. they're using that to interrogate people. They're getting your secrets by playing Christian ska bands at these things. One hundred percent. Well, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot to say about that, so no. maybe we just uh, <laughs> we take a little detour here, and how about we just consult a witch or wizard over at that dang old BuzzFeed? How about okay. we do that? Let's try. Let's try. Uh, I guess uh, they'll probably look at some some bird guts or whatever, and yep, tell do us some scrying which Pennywise clown we are. Now, listen, there are two <laughs> a lot choices, of options. So. <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited to find out if i get one of them i hope yeah so. exactly which one will it be what if it what if it comes up as neither neither not one you are not up anywise <laughs> neither and that's of the only one. answer anyone ever gets <laughs> oh well good i mean frankly oh, i don't nice. want to be yeah. either one i don't want to be a shape-shifting interdimensional uh clown that murders children no you know what that's a good point I'm going to answer these questions, but I'm crossing my fingers that it's either neither or the band. <laughs> yeah, you are the band, Pennywise. <laughs> what if that's the unforeseen third answer? You are a band. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. What about <laughs> I wonder how those guys are doing right now. Probably I know, great. right? <laughs> okay, so we got six questions here. Steve, what do you spend most of your time doing other than watching uh lots of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not an option was, here uh yeah the options here i looked through them and i was like fuck none of those texting guess, reading working you know or shopping yeah texting reading working or shopping and i and honestly i guess reading of the of these four 
because I am I am researching an awful lot, and I, I'll just nerd. Pretend, I know, and I'll just pretend that watching the movies for the show is is also reading. I'm gonna go with a working. I be a working. You know that yeah. that working man by yeah, Rush. That's, that's about me. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> well, this one. Okay. I mean, here we are on a horror movie podcast. What's your favorite movie genre? Oh. Number one, horror. Number two, drama. Number three, thriller. Number four, romcom. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and open up the horror option for you because we just did Action August and I had such a fucking blast. I'm going to say thriller because we watched some very thrilling movies and I fucking loved them. Uh, Earlier in the year for my birthday, we did Speed. Mm -hmm. Fucking loved that shit. So, you know what? I'm just going to say thriller. Yeah, I think... um, I I really do think that uh, an action movie podcast would have like if we had because that was that was one our options were really we were either going to do an action movie podcast or horror movie podcast. If we had done an action movie podcast, where would we be at this point? Like, (laughs) like good question. Almost three hundred episodes. I can think of three hundred action movies. But would I want to watch them all? <laughs> like, hmm. would we want to talk about Double Team? You know, yes. what? honestly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 100%. I'm reversing on that. You are correct. Should have done it. Should have done it. Yeah. We'd be watching that movie, talking shit about it, sitting on our gold plated couches uh, mm-hmm. from all the mm-hmm. pod bucks that we made yep. for sure. Yeah. And we ordered those gold plated couches uh, early on. Otherwise, we would have got solid gold. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's your favorite holiday, Ben? All right. We got four options here. We got Halloween, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Independence Day. Come on. Seriously? Jesus. <laughs> or Christmas. Um, got a couple I, you options know, there. I'm, I'm going to say Thanksgiving, though I would say Halloween. This is my favorite time of the season. Uh, Thanksgiving, I get to cook, and I love that. You're a real Bob Burger, aren't you? I'm a real Bob Burger. Yep. I also love to cook, man, but yeah, Halloween, come on, that's got my heart and yeah, soul. Yeah. I'm already so fucking excited. I've already got a costume and stuff planned out. It's going to be really stupid. Last year's costume was 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 real stupid. Uh, this year's costume is going to be really fucking stupid. <laughs> I, mean, I was spaghetti, spaghetti last year. <laughs> yeah. That's it was the crack. biggest hit. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it maybe cost uh, $15, and I'm going to say it took roughly 20 minutes to construct. <laughs> It was the best costume I've probably ever done. Yeah, uh, this year's is going to be really dumb, though. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> All right, Steve, what's your least favorite color? What? Ooh. Okay. Blue, green, red, or pink. I mean, that's Aerosmith's favorite color. Right, and I I don't dislike any color, I don't think. Um, I guess there are some shades of green that I find off-putting. So Yeah? Green? Yeah. Huh, what kind of a green do you meet that you're like, not for me, green? Get like out of baby- here, greeny. I, I want to say baby shit green, but then also, like, I don't really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you'll get some baby shit and you're like, eh, that's yeah, all that's, right. a, that's a pretty good shade, yeah. It's kind of nice. What about you? I'm going to go pink, I think, just because there's probably a lot of shades of pink that I don't like. I, I enjoy a hot pink as an 80s mm-hmm. man myself, yeah. but... Mm-hmm. Especially some of those like more like shell and kind of coral looking pinks. Right, right. Not for me so much. Gotcha. Ben, 
choose your favorite celebrity, and these four are <laughs> wow. obviously going to be in your top ten at the very least. I'm a young person who's hip. I know uh-huh. a lot about all four of these. <laughs> so you got you got a Selena Gomez. You got a Kylie Jenner. She's wow. a self-made billionaire. I don't know if you heard about that. That's impressive. She must have worked really hard. Self-made, they call it. Huh. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Okay. Uh, Sky Jackson. Don't know who that is. So Kylie Jenner and Sky Jackson could bust into this room right now, and all I would have to say to them is, leave, I'm recording a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I I also would not recognize either one of them. I do not know no. what Kylie Jenner looks like. No. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is awesome. Yeah, he's cool. Selena Gomez, was she in Dead Don't Die? She's doing some acting now, isn't she? Yeah, she. I, I think Selena Gomez is cool. I don't, I, I don't keep up on... Twitter Selena Gomez news. Um, You're so, kidding. Yeah, that, it's got to be between one of those two. I'll say Selena because I liked yeah. uh, I like Dead Don't Die. Go and watch this turn out. It's like no, she wasn't in that movie. That was somebody else. But whatever. <laughs> and also, she's a Nazi. <laughs> Shit! Damn it! <laughs> damn it! Uh, I'm gonna go with Michael B. Jordan. Obviously, he's you know he's Killmonger. Yeah. He's, he's Creed. He seems like a cool guy. Ben, what's a, your favorite food? Okay, we they got, actually did lay out a lot of my favorites here. So this yeah, is they did. They, they did get a couple here. So you got a sandwich. Ooh, sandwich, a Samuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got yourself a sushi. I love a sushi sandwich. Um, you got a pizza or mm, pizza a pie. pasta. Oh man. Okay, so like I I, I love these things. Yeah, sandwich uh, would probably be lower on my list. Yeah, I'm no sandwich I mean, bigot. I like a sandwich, but I just don't have them very often. If you're including like hamburger or like a fried chicken sandwich, like if you get uh, beyond like the 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 simple idea of a sandwich, yeah, I'm into it. But yeah, I'm not I'm not sitting down and having like a BLT regularly. I'm just gonna say that pasta has has been my lifelong staple. Like right. I've always had a noodle in my life. I love a sushi sandwich. That hasn't always been there for me, but right. a noodle has never let me down. So That's I'm true. gonna say I'm I'm pasta holic. Um, I'm I'm also gonna go Italian here and say pizza because that's taste love of the pizza. old country. Mm-hmm. Woo! I bet you know we got what? the same thing somehow. We've we've talked about some some pizzas and stuff on the show before. Yeah. We talked about some local Knoxville pizzas and stuff. But you know what? I don't think I know your go to topping on a pizza. Like, what you is your? Okay, it's a it's a standard Friday night. I'm having a regular pizza kind of night. What are you ordering? Here's the thing. I I like a New York style pizza, so I want cheese. I don't want anything else on it. But just cheese, the Kevin McAllister. Yes, I think the best toppings on pizza um, are uh, bacon, pineapple, and and uh, pickled jalapenos. Oh, together. that's a good choice. But I don't, I don't eat bacon anymore. Uh, I do sometimes if if we're getting from somewhere like you know uh, a, a Pizza Hut or something, I would get toppings because. You got to kind of cover up some of the flaws. You do, <laughs> whereas, yeah, yeah. Whereas with like a New York slice, I want that. Like, I want to. Te- I want the crust. I want to like get that feel of the like nice bottom crispiness, and Ooh. then you get your good cheese with the acidity of the sauce. Like, oh man, that's perfect to me. Do you think that this also means that there's people that that care more about the toppings are like pizza tops, and people that care about the crust are pizza bottoms? I yeah, I'm a pizza bottom for sure. I think I'm pizza verse. Like I kind of like a little bit of both. <laughs> I can get down with either. If it's yeah. good, I can get down with either. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. I, I do like, I mean, yeah, you know, you go to a place um, that has like a little funky 
uh, toppings put together. I, I, you know, uh, if I'm going to Tomato Head, I'm definitely getting toppings because they have they a got lot some of funky cool, stuff. Yeah, yeah, they got some cool stuff there. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm a cheeseman. Well, look at you, Kevin McAllister. Damn, that's me. Uh huh. So my classic go-to is a is a trinity of of pepperones, a uh-huh. green pepper, and a mushroom. That oh, I yeah, think is just that's, that's a, a solid combo, man. Yeah. Like if you do too much veg on a pizza, you get the soggy factor. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, in some places, just you get the veggies is, is just crispy still, and that takes away from the texture. You want it to it have something there. You want to know it's there, but you also don't want to be like pulling it away and it's like ripping the cheese off the rest of the slice with it. It's a balancing act, man. Because it is. like I don't know if I've ever had a supreme pizza that wasn't a soggy mess. Like oh it's, yeah, it's too much stuff. Yeah. Like, have you ever cooked a vegetable? They're basically just water. Yeah, they're, they're full of water. <laughs> full. Of it, it is going to be an issue if you just throw a bunch of them on top of some cheese because water and fat don't go together. Surprising, right? Mm-hmm. I've also found myself to be a uh, a huge lover of a banana pepper on a pizza. Like anytime you oh, get yeah. like a like a salty meat, like a sausage or a pepperoni, mm-hmm. and like a banana pepper on there. Yeah, woo! I am a. I get a good meme. Also, do like to get uh, feta, black olives, roasted red peppers. Um, that's that's a good combo to me. Oh, yeah. a little Grecian action. Yeah, yeah, I like to go that way. But yeah, lovely. I, I do always just fall back on on a cheese slice, and I I think that you can tell everything you need to know about a pizza by the cheese slice. Beyond that, if you want to add uh, toppings, whatever. But the cheese slice will tell you if the pizza is good or not. That's true. Well, so anyway, then, what it are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am the original Pennywise. I am too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like answered nothing the same, but when there's only two outcomes, well, three if you count Pennywise the band. Yeah, yeah. Eh, that's what you're gonna get. You're I gonna get some that. overlap. That's the best quiz we've ever done. <laughs> it's great, man. I learned so much about ourselves. I really did too. And so did you. Yeah. All right, man. Let me get another pull on this Kobe right here, and we're going to talk pull. about IT Captor Dose. What about that thing, man? Can <laughs> I, what year just come out? This is, uh, oh, shit, 2019. So. 2019, man. Yeah. So I'll go into this just saying, if you uh, if you haven't listened to our IT Chapter 1 episode or our mini-sode that we did on this years ago. In the meantime, like since this movie came out and we watched it, I did read the book. Oh, I did you the did. book on, on okay. audiobook. And um, I'll tell you, man, like, are there plenty of problems with the book? Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's honestly, it's not that great of a story, but I no. still do enjoy the book a lot. And part of it, Part of it is just due to the to the atmosphere and all the history of this like shitty crummy town that he built, right? And you know, coming from a place like I did, coming from like Morristown, Tennessee, which I think is a a, a similarly just cursed, shitty fucking town. Agreed. Um, there was a lot in there to kind of relate to and pull from, and uh, I think he did some really good stuff in the book. But also, I'll always have kind of like nostalgia feelings for it because. I started that on audiobook as we were packing up our house to to sell it. Um, our first house that we owned in Dandridge and stuff, it was like, you know, all the endless nights of packing boxes, uh, putting stuff in storage, yada, yada. Like, I was listening to this audiobook while I was doing all that, uh, doing all that, you know, mostly drunk as a skunk, because <laughs> what are you going to do whenever you're packing to move? You fucking... 
drink like a, a damn drink. horse, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went through a lot of this audio book while we were packing up. I was kind of alternating between the book and listening to um, the Car Bomb album, uh, Mordial. Sorry, it took me a second. It's, it's confusing because they have a record called Meta that came out before that, and Mordial mm. had just come out in 2019. So I was kind of alternating listening to those two things while I was packing the house. So I'll always kind of have like nostalgic memories, you know? Yeah. And I think that kind of influences my opinion of the book. But I enjoy the book. Again, I only listened to it the one time. Yeah. Mainly drunk. So there's a lot of things that I'm sure I'm going to mess up in terms of saying, in the book they did this, in the book they didn't do that. I'm sure I'm going to butcher a lot of that stuff. But Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I have read it. I do terrible. like it. Have you read yeah. the book? Uh, uh, way, 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 way back in the I day. thought so. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to say you said you did it like a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, yeah. That it was. It was. Um, gosh, I think it was probably seventh or eighth grade summer. But yeah, you fucking it, public school is telling your age by your grade. God damn, <laughs> making me do math in my head. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean that actually though. I mean that's around the age that the kids are, so it was probably a good time to read it. But yeah, I. Mm-hmm. I Definitely will not have all of the knowledge of, of that. I am actually, uh, I, I want to focus on the movie as a, a story as it is. Yeah. Um, because I think that that is my issue with both the miniseries and this is that they're too obsessed with trying to include stuff from the book that doesn't need to be included. Yeah, I agree with that. Like there, there's a certain level in this movie of them paying like fan service to stuff where they're like, oh, we have to have them saying beep, beep, Richie. But also right. like they forget to fucking explain what that is. And also that wasn't in the first movie near as much as it was in this one. Well, it was either only, way, it never gets explained. Yeah, it was only in the first movie once. And it was when Richie walks into that room full of clowns and then sees like the 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 casket with the little Richie doll in it. Oh yeah, that's and right. And Pennywise says it, and it's like, okay, that makes no sense. And then saying what does it that here, mean? it's like it's never been explained. So no, yeah. But like they were definitely feeling obligated to include that because they're like, well, people know it from the book, so yeah. But and it's I, like, dude, you have to realize that not everybody in the theaters watching this movie has read this fucking thirteen hundred no. page book. I'm gonna say ninety something percent of them haven't. So when you right. include stuff like beep beep but never fucking explain it, what good is it doing? Yeah, there's no reason for all the little... I mean, having, you know, stuff like uh, a, a turtle in the background of a scene as a kind of Easter egg. Good Easter egg. The, fine, good Easter egg. It's like, oh, I've read the book. I know what that's like alluding to. Having an actual line <laughs> that is incomprehensible unless you've read the book is like... Why? What? So you're just you're okay with your audience sitting there and going, "Why the fuck did he just say beep beep?" I know, and then like it's in the movie like five times, right? Uh, so uh, okay, yeah, it's annoying. I I think it's it's annoying to try. So and, and that is my main problem with this is I think you could cut forty five minutes of it, chapter two, Easy. and it would not only not lose anything, it would be a vastly better movie. I completely agree, man. The length of this movie, I think I had forgotten how fucking long it is. It is yeah. two hours and 49 or 50 minutes. Yeah. Two Let's hours just say three hours. Three. It might as well be three hours. Yeah, might as well be three fucking hours. Like, yeah. It, 
And that's the miniseries length. The miniseries which covered the entire book. I mean, it, seriously, none of these have covered the entire book. Like, no. The first, the first part is about the first 300 pages of the book. And this is probably about 300 pages of the book. The book's 1,200 pages. Yeah, so, it's like, huge. Yeah, so like you're never, ever going to be able to cover the whole book in two parts. So just don't try. Don't, don't even try. Don't even try to include all of this shit. Just go your own way, especially considering how many times this actually does go different than the book. If you're willing to go different than the book so many times, why are you then including these scenes that are only really there for somebody who's read the book? As fan service, right. Yeah. It, it doesn't really make sense, man. Yeah, like, honestly, what it comes down to is that this book was a, a big splash whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. It was huge, yeah. The miniseries that was on TV in the 80s. It, also uh, huge, yeah. Yeah, it, it was huge. And, like, a lot of people... In our age group, people that grew up in the 80s have these memories of being like, oh, man, it fucking destroyed me as a kid. I'm scared of clowns because of, you know, Tim Curry as Pennywise. Right. That also doesn't mean that that's a good story, though. Like, no. there is this sort of, like, reverence for this story when it's like, right. it's not really that good of a story. There's elements no. in here that I really, really love. Like, I, yeah. I love the entire narrative of framing... You know, how your childhood traumas are still with you as an adult and right. how to defeat them and deal with them as a grown up. Like, I think that is a fucking brilliant story. And that's a great, you know, uh, framing that in horror is a really great way to look at that. Uh, but again, the actual story itself is definitely <laughs> cocaine addled Stephen King being right. like, uh, it, it's a clown, it's a spider, they run a train on a little girl. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. Like, whoa! Yeah, it, is, it is like, I mean, the the source material, while, um, I mean, this is the thing with King, right? Like, wh while you're sitting and reading a King book, uh, he can go off on a diversion and tell you a story that is like some of the scariest shit you've ever read. Oh, yeah. Does Book it, has tons of awesome stuff yeah. like that. Does it directly affect the narrative, the story that is about how, as a child, you can learn to cope and overcome your fears, but as an adult, that starts to resurface and you have to find new ways to cope with those things? Like, that's the central story. You don't have to tell all the side stories that are good in the book but don't need to be included when what you're trying to do is distill the book into feature length format yeah 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 totally i have a lot of problems with this movie i Me mean as, as we said like you and i both love it chapter one that is one so that good. i'll just i'll put on any fucking time yep. i think that it's really cool um all the like 80s nostalgia stuff and stuff is in there all of the really heartwarming, you know, friends group is there. There's a lot to love about that first movie. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we waited, what was it, like a year, two years for two this years. to come out? Uh-huh. We went and we watched it together in theaters. Uh-huh. Sat through three hours. Right. And we did a, a mini-sode on it a couple of years ago, um, that night, actually. If I recall, yeah. it was a very, very late night. Yeah. And if you've listened to that one, you'll know we didn't exactly... Didn't exactly love it upon first viewing. Uh, no. Weirdly enough, Kate, who really didn't like part one, she liked part two better. She was like, oh, this is actually better. But you and I were both like, no, this is way fucking yeah. not as good as the first one. And go back and listen to that and compare to what we say here, because I didn't re-listen to it. 
but I think I'll end up saying a lot of the same things. I might. I, I don't know. Not a lot changed in some. I I definitely gained some appreciation for it, but not a lot yeah. changed. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like a couple of the positives first. You know, oh, let's absolutely. not just go straight into Duncan on it because there are redeemable good qualities oh, to for this. Sure, yeah. Uh, number one being the adult cast, I think Great. is fucking stellar, man. Mm-hmm. Like really, really, really good. That was a huge weak point of the the TV miniseries is that the yeah. adults didn't look or act anything like the kids yeah. at all. They didn't. They didn't. And this is this is definitely like. Um, it, the the casting itself, they asked the kids who they thought would play them, uh, oh. and uh, Finn Wolfhard said he wanted Bill Hader to play him, and nice. uh, Sophia Lillis said she wanted Jessica Chastain to play her. Perfect. Uh, so <laughs> the the kids, in some ways, nailed their own casting, um, but also like the the kids established the characters like they were just making a movie not knowing if the adult section would ever be made not knowing if it would succeed they were just young thirsty actors who wanted a chance to to shine and then they got together as a group and they gelled and it 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 comes through in the film and at chapter 1 you can tell these kids have a lot of chemistry they work really well together and totally. they're all like they're all distinct characters, which is a problem with the it miniseries is that uh, Stanley and um, fuck Eddie barely have any character in that. But uh, and Bev is no is, she's just a person. <laughs> That's the yeah. um, <laughs> the girl. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but th- this you're talking about distinct characters. So now the adults have to come in, step into these roles. And uh, Andy Muschietti had the kids write letters from the perspective of, of their younger character selves to their oh. older character selves and then gave them to the adults who were, were cast. Interesting. And that kind of like helped shape how the adults then like looked at the characters as, as you know, looking back as an adult. Um, and, and I think... I think that they got it. I mean, like, obviously, Bill Hader is knocking it out of the park. So is uh, uh, James Ranson, who plays who plays Eddie. Like those. Two I think together, that's the best casting. Dude, they're like, the best. Yeah. Young Eddie versus him as adult Eddie is yeah insanely perfect. Both in their physicality, their mannerisms, mm-hmm. their dialogue. Like the the movie knew it too, because there's even a scene where during one of those flashbacks, it does a cut where it shows young Eddie. And it does this slow fade into adult Eddie, and it's yeah. just his face in the center of the screen. It's like they knew. It's like, oh yeah, this is the future version of this kid. It's so Yo, fucking perfect. Absolutely, and probably and, the and, best bit of casting. Yeah, Jack Dylan Grazer and, and J- uh, James Ranson. Apparently, I, I watched the uh, making of thing behind the scenes. Oh, bit. Uh, and apparently they uh, when they first met, like it was very clear they, they were very similar people. Uh, and that neither one is really playing a role. <laughs> like they're they're wow, kind of just really? being an amplified version of themselves. Um, they're so good, man. Yeah, so fucking so good, good is that character. Yeah. Um also, I mean, I think despite the fact that she has nothing to do in this, Jessica Chastain is a great choice. She's they a good aged up version. Character. Right. Dude, I know, man. And it's it's unfortunate because in the book Again, not to just be trying to compare this to the book. Like, if right. you just watch this as a movie, you're like, yeah, there's not really a whole lot to her. She's in a shitty 
uh, abusive relationship and she leaves. Then she's in Derry and that's kind of it. That's kind of it, yeah. You know, like there's a whole lot more to her character and her strength and her, her vulnerability and also her trauma with her past that gets dealt with uh, as the adult version of that character. And in this, you're right. It's like, there's not really much. Like, honestly, her biggest role in this movie is, which boy will I choose? Boy, yep. I wonder which of these boys wrote me that letter when I was a girl. Yep. That's kind of it. That's basically it. She is the prize to be won. Well, and here, here's the thing that's mind-blowing about that is like, you're talking about writing a female character with less depth than a cocaine-addled 80s Stephen King. <laughs> Really? That's an it's accomplishment. Good, well, I mean, speaking of, speaking let's of, talk about Mike. Because, let's talk about Mike, dude. Oh, but, man. I mean, because, listen, one, Mike in the miniseries is done really well. Mike yes. in It Chapter One, done really well. Pretty, pretty in, good. Like, the changes yeah. to his family dynamic where, like, in the book, he had a totally healthy, good uh, like father figure, right, like yeah. his actual dad in the book. Like he was the one with the normal family relationship. Right. And then for some reason in it, chapter one, they're like, nah, he's being raised by his abusive uncle or whatever. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird because like, yeah, like they, I, I mean, in the book, yeah, his dad, his dad survived that, uh, the club fire, which I guess is what they were going for. Right. Like he was, he was at the club fire, but he survived. Yeah. Um but in in this yeah I I think well yeah it chapter 1 his uncle I don't know that his uncle's abusive but I think that it's like it's some he's definitely weird, a hard ass. He's yeah. a hard ass. Yeah, and he seems his his hard assness seems to be like this is a racist world you're growing up in shit's going to be hard for you. Now that's a uh, a a change for sure. It's it's weird for that change to be in 2017 rather than in the 90s when it was even worse um but it's it's also a change that i think is rooted in racism because the things that they change about mike um they they basically um they wanted him to be a drug addict in this oh good that would add to the character why right right um and and that was obviously shot down because it was like that's just playing into racism right there. Uh the another change they had to him, he steals from the local tribe. Stealing why? from the Native Americans. Why? Yeah, why yeah, why make that a a a thing that the black character did? I mean, white people have been stealing from Native Americans for a very fucking long time. Yeah. So if you're going to go that route, make another one of the characters do it. I I don't understand. And then also like, it, it just seems like they they neutered Mike as a character overall. Like completely. He's, he's more. I don't know. In, in in the miniseries, I think they gave him like a strong commanding presence. Whereas in this, he he feels like he's trying to trick them. Into yeah, this. he has this like alternate strategy, yeah, behind the scenes going on, yeah. Which I I don't remember that from any of the source material. No. Yeah, like Mike's Mike's entire role in this somehow, and and again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about Bev. It's like wow, make a 
a more badly written black character than Stephen King in the 80s. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's just turn Mike into the mystical Negro lore keeper. <laughs> yeah, that's because yep, that's, that's all what that he, he is. Like yep. he is that character that so many fucking white people write, where it's like, oh, a brown person, they're probably into uh, mysticism and lore, right. and yeah, this is a character trait that we see over and over and over and over in movies. And yeah. I don't really know why they turned Mike into that. Like, and also I don't know why nobody in the movie addressed like, man, Mike grew up weird, right? Everybody right. else in the, in the movie <laughs> is like pretty, you know, you know, pretty normal and pretty uh-huh. human in a lot of ways. Mike is just this like lore and magic and, um, you know, mythology obsessed person, which is also really weird considering they had, young Ben be the lore keeper in the first one. Like Ben was the yeah. one doing the research about dairy in it chapter one. Yeah. And now in this, it's like, Oh, Mike's the one that lives in the library and knows all the ins and outs yeah. of the story. It's a Why? big shift. Yeah. And then also one of the things that they, I mean, took from Mike was Mike was the one who stopped Henry Bowers. Mike was the one who stopped him in this. True. Richie saves him. From Henry Bowers. Like, they completely neutered him. They took away all of his power. 100%. Hmm. <laughs> and it's like, in the in the, the book and uh, the miniseries, Mike is uh, injured in his fight with Henry Bowers. And so, he is out for the final battle. That obviously, yeah. that has issues itself. But it, it means something that he alone took out the minor threat. Because this movie has two threats. It's... it's Pennywise and, and Henry Bowers, just like in the first one. Um, and he took out Henry Bowers, who we, if you've watched the first one, you've come to absolutely despise. He is, he is, he is uh, absolutely 100% serial killer in the making from the moment he steps on screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And dude, in the book, like him and like Patrick both are just like Patrick is the third threat in the book right that yeah, kid is fucking is, jeffrey he's a real he is fucking jeffrey Dahmer. yeah a uh-huh. lunatic man. yeah absolute maniac like I, I like that that in the book and the original story there where you had this sort of supernatural terror and then also this real life actual terror that like adults weren't really paying attention to uh that was really cool and i, I felt like that got pretty underplayed in both segments of the movie and i want i want to chain this to another thing we're going to talk about but so we understand from the books uh, and, and you know, it talks about it in the first uh, movie that Pennywise has this influence all over the town. He makes the town aggressive and scary and whatnot. Yeah. Which is established so perfectly well with Bowers and Patrick Hockstetter in the book and in it chapter one. So then why does this movie start with an unrelated gay bashing incident? Okay, man. You know, that's... <laughs> what? And, and this, again, is where the loyalty to the source material is like, why did you choose to keep this and not keep that? Because, right. yes, in the book, there is a scene in the... Ni- I think it's in the 1950s uh-huh. where a, yeah, a, a gay couple is assaulted and one of them is killed, and it's really horrific and it's really fucked up. And this movie starts off in the 2000s with the same thing happening and yeah. it just seems god it just seems so unnecessary it's like it, do we really need to see this like could it have not just been any other person did it need to start off with like specifically 
something that happens in small towns and big towns all around the world right now that I think that most of us are more sensitive towards. Uh, did it have to start with that? It didn't. And here's why not only did it not have to start with it, but using it as gratuitous and exploitive. Um, the, it doesn't do anything. It, I know, it right? It doesn't. Because you, you'd think that you could justify it by being like, oh, it's to show you that now it's killing grownups too. Whoa, except that never happens again the rest of the fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, okay, so now you didn't need this to set up Pennywise, you didn't need this to set up the bullying. All we needed was to see the the scene under the bleachers as the opening, and then With Mike the gets girl. the call. Yeah, uh, Pennywise back to killing kids. The thing he does. Yeah, um, that thing. Right. And then you cut to Henry Bowers being flushed out of the sewers in the past, getting arrested. Him in the mental asylum now. Now we're in present day. We know we're in present day. Mike's in present day. You can get to the rest of the movie, and you didn't have to kill a gay character for no fucking reason. Yeah, watch a non-supernatural entity beat a gay person to death for being gay. Yeah, why? I don't... Why? It, it's, it, it, it is unnecessary... And it's, it's an example of so many unnecessary scenes in the film that are just paying homage to the book, but don't need to be in this movie. No. Yeah, yeah. dude, I, I, I completely agree. It's like the movie starts with that, which is just way too real and right. close to home um, for us to watch and be, you know, scared or, God forbid, entertained by yeah, uh, and then ultimately, it none, none of it ever matters. Like nothing no. ever happens to those bullies that perpetrate the crime. Nothing ever happens with uh, the other dude who survives. Right. None of that ever comes back. It's just like let's just shock you by starting the movie with a gay person being beaten to death and people thrown around the hard f to yeah. show that we're we're going really hard in this movie. Like why? Especially when <laughs> and know. again more, more on this later when most of the movie after that is a comedy. Why? Yeah, you open I don't with get it, man. just dark violence that's unrelated, unconnected to any other scene, and then just comedy throughout. Just a, a pure horror comedy mm. that but, takes but dude, a completely different tone from the first one. No, I think that you're right, though. If you would have started this movie at the baseball game with the little girl that has the, the birthmark on her face yeah. and... Pennywise under the bleachers acting really innocent. Like, one of his best scenes in this in That's this one of the best scenes in yeah. the movie, for yeah. sure. Um, I think that that is actually a really, really, really cool scene. I don't recall there being anything like that in the book, yeah, but, but all but of a, that I thought was indication. Great. Pennywise back killing kids. Like it's yeah. It just shows you, hey, it's back. It it it's well, not and dead. also too, like if you're talking about wanting to show where the stakes are here, what is more scary, watching it? <laughs> Take take a, a, a gay person that's just been beaten within an inch of their life by other humans and killing him after he's almost beaten to death. Yeah. Or watching it kill an innocent little girl under right. the bleachers that at a fucking ball in. game. He lured that's the child. Way in. scarier. Yeah. Way that scarier. Like shows, way better. That shows the stakes. That shows how fucking warped this entire thing is. Not mm-hmm. not that anything about the the first killing is not warped, but Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that that is just a better way to start the movie, and it's also a much better film scene than anything that we got that kicked this movie off with. 
Yeah, and and that's that scene is great. I think you know, and and just looking at the the scenes with Pennywise, that scene and the scene in the Hall of Mirrors are two of his like best, like over the top, insane, scary child killer performance. Well, and it's easy to understand why, because those are two of the only scenes in the movie where Skarsgård is acting <laughs> right in where there, in the flesh, yeah, in costume, acting. Uh-huh. Because so many of the other parts in this movie are him inhabiting some large CGI character form, yeah. doing ADR voiceover stuff. It's not actually him acting against anything, whereas that, that scene under the bleachers where he gets to act innocent he gets to act kind of scared it's very much like the first scene with georgie in the first movie where he seems to have this playfulness but also this really dark undercurrent going on at the same time he got to tap into some of that again with that bleacher scene yeah um and unfortunately that's some of the only acting of him that's in the fucking movie yeah because he is he is being motion captured for the vast majority but yeah he's actually there on set in makeup for that scene and it, it is tense. It's super tense, and it really works. And that would have been the perfect way to start. I can see somebody Agreed. saying, like, well, then it's just like exactly like Georgie. You're just starting with the same thing. It's like, yeah, sometimes predictability is, is fine. Like, well, it also shows that there's this rhythm of, like, oh, shit, 27 years later, he's doing the same shit again. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. It, it Yes, it reestablishes the threat uh, instead of just generally showing a really hard to watch scene which is, yeah. is what we get so i i think yeah that you know speaking of of other good things though there are other there are good things for sure um specifically uh the the decision to make richie gay or bi I think I that th- that's a cool choice and i yeah. think that that is uh for me personally i think that that is that is handled well under yeah. uh, my my all-knowing uh cis white straight male podcaster gaze <laughs> i think that that's played very sweet and very yes. it, it is heartwarming man where it's like he has had this secret that he's kept yeah um i think it's done well man yeah and i, and I think like you know i i think after having the gay bashing scene at the beginning what my one problem with it is that if if you're going to go so hard as to show a, a a gay person getting beaten for being gay, then make your gay or bisexual character say aloud to his friends, "I'm gay." And it's not the a big only deal. reason we yeah. know is because we're putting pieces together. He True. doesn't say it, and that no. I think is an issue, especially with the gay bashing thing. That you need then, you need to make up for what you've done. You need to have him say aloud, I am a gay man, or I am a bisexual man. And his friends be like, okay, cool. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because it's actually not a big deal. We We did a movie like that on the podcast a while back where there was a character that was just like, yeah, I'm gay. And everybody's like, okay. Yeah. No big deal. And it's like, cool, normalize that. Yeah. quit, Quit putting the image out there that... If you're a, a, a homosexual person, 
you will get beaten to death if anybody right. finds out. Your friends might not like you if they find out. Like, just quit putting that into the the cosmic consciousness. Quit yes, putting that unless out there. It, unless it is the big event. Like that. Like that's the problem. Is it's so throwaway. It's not yeah. the big event. That is a big, frightening, scary fucking event, and it's a throwaway moment with characters that never come back. And Damn. Yeah, it's just fucked up. I I, I, I hate it. <laughs> um, other scenes that could be cut for sure, the uh, pawn shop scene. I know why they kept it, because they got Stephen King to come in and do his cameo. Yay! And, everybody know, wants I, that. Everybody, of course, wants Stephen King to have his cameo. Uh, and, of course, he, he does fine. He, he's fine. He's, yeah, he's, he's not the problem. The problem is the scene is useless. You don't it is, need dude. it. No, you don't. And here's the thing, like in in the source material, it is kind of important for Richie to refind his bike. Right. Uh there's this entire thing where him, you know, finding the bike and high ho silver, mm-hmm. all that jazz is something that starts bringing his memories back later on at the end of the book whenever his his wife comes back looking right. for him to dairy and she loses her memory entirely. He uses that to help bring her back. Yeah. But like in the movie itself, is the bike significant whatsoever? No. No. Not, <laughs> not at all. It's just to call back to the the book. And and it it also I mean, the scene itself is goofy. It's like silly goofy. Like he yeah. you know, he's like just naming random things in the pawn shop and it like cuts to those things with like a, a banjo strum and it's like this is what is this? What is this? What's going on? At yeah. all? Um, and then, yeah, immediately he gets on the bike like, oh, I'm going to ride my bike. And it's like, oh, clunk, 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 clunk. Um, I'm going to ride my bike that was 30 years old in the 80s when I got it and is now fucking, <laughs> what, been, like 70 years old yeah, now? And has What's been going sitting on? in a window just for years decades why is the bike so old like shouldn't it have been like know. a sick fucking bmx bike from the 80s or Absolutely. some shit with like pegs on it that would have been so cool <laughs> like dude if you were riding that bike in the 80s you were getting made fun of it's like oh, oh was it your grandpa's bike 100 percent grandpa bike like get out of here um but i think then like okay what what's interesting is that they spend all that time on him getting the bike and there's no significance. No, he it rides the bike around to some play. places, but that's yeah. about it. Like that doesn't matter. He could have been in a fucking rental car and it would not have made any fucking difference. That is just yeah. more time added into the movie as fan service. Cause they want to see him on the bike and saying, hi ho silver, which again, and here's the thing, dude. Yeah. Cause he's James McAvoy. Cause and he McAvoy. does not speak with an American accent. Correct. I was going to say, honestly, the worst bit of casting is him as, yeah. as older Bill. Like, it he doesn't is. really look or act that much like the original kid at all to yeah. me. But he also but here's is the thing, too like, intense like the guy from the 90 miniseries, so maybe oh, that's what they were yeah. going for. <laughs> way intense, way overdramatic. And even the, the, the Hayahoe Silver thing makes no sense. Now, no? in the book, whenever it was the 1950s, and you had the Lone Ranger, that was a uh-huh. big you know, cultural phenomenon, he had this <laughs> silver bike, hi-ho silver, that makes sense. What fucking kid in the 80s is hip to Lone Ranger and calling his bike old silver and yelling Dude. hi-ho silver away? Like that... 
with the, the reframing no of the sense. time period, it makes no sense. No, other but, than just being like, we have to do it for fan service. Imagine, though, if he had said instead, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power! Dude, what if he was <laughs> like, Autobots, bad. roll out? Autobots I'd have been like, fuck out. yeah! Yes! Like, seriously, honestly, I think I would have liked that better. If it was a Transformers bike and he said Autobots yeah. roll out, I'd be like, cool, 80s kid. Makes yes. fucking sense, man. It yeah. kind of like goes back to what they they talked about with part one where they were like, we really wanted to get you know, the various forms of Pennywise to be Freddy Krueger and Jason and Michael Myers. Right. Like, yeah, because Which is in the original from book, the book and the, and the nine yeah. miniseries. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Because in those with it being the fifties, it was, you know, the vampire, the mummy, the werewolf, right? It was a cool idea to update it for the eighties, make him the eighties icons. That's all yeah. right. That would have been a but, good idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like kid riding this fucking bike in the eighties, shouting something from 30 years prior that his parents would be hip to. Nah, mm-hmm. man, that's no. not cool. Doesn't make sense whatsoever. No, uh, we do get um, the the Street Fighter reference and the playing video games at the the movie theater. Like, okay, that was all right. So, Here's the like, fucking issue though, to me. Man. Here's the goddamn issue with that. So you want to update this? You want to make it to where they're playing Street Fighter in the arcade? Very uh-huh. cool, Ryu. Yada yada yada. There's also a Mortal Kombat arcade machine in there. What? Okay. There's a fucking Mortal Kombat that. arcade machine. It's 1989. Yeah. That no, unacceptable. No, that won't be out until what 91, 92. There's not even a Street two, Fighter think, Two yeah. machine in this fucking arcade, but there's a Mortal Kombat machine. What yeah, kind of I fucked mean, up yeah, universe do you go from Street Fighter One to Mortal Kombat? Right. No fucking if we're way. 89, it would be yeah, Street Fighter. No Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, like that. I didn't see the Mortal Kombat. That is annoying. Because there's no truth in this art. No truth in this art. But also, then he goes back to. The theater, now I'm, you know what, I thought I liked this because of the nostalgia, now I'm hating it. He goes back and there's <laughs> they did a, it wrong. Yeah, there's a You've Got Mail sign in the back, which means they closed this thing down in what, 98? Something like that, the yeah. The Street Fighter machine is still there. Come the fuck on, dude. After Street Fighter 2 came out, you did not see any Street Fighter 1 arcade machines no, anywhere. Anywhere. Nowhere. No. Yeah. So that that is an issue. Wow. I didn't, maybe that's why they closed down, though. Like, the kids stopped coming because they didn't get a Street Fighter 2 machine. (laughs) They couldn't Blanca, you know? (laughs) I get it. I would stop going if I couldn't Blanca either. No, I get it. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. (laughs) Damn, man. Yeah, that's that's troublesome right there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Who who else we got? We got uh, got Ben Hanscom's scene where, you know, he's now now a handsome fella, but we flash back to him, him as a young kid sitting in class and... It appears to him as Bev. And this scene is interesting to me because it seems clearly inspired by Nightmare on Elm Street. Very, which yes. is honestly something I don't know why I hadn't really put together how much It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2 are associating Pennywise with Freddy Krueger. You don't uh, have power over any me anymore. Yeah. I beat you. Like yep. I take my power back from you. Like oh yeah, that's that's how he, they beat Freddy in part one. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out two years before this book, but clearly uh, we know that 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 Stephen King was working on it from since, since like 1981, and uh, Wes Craven was also working on Nightmare on Elm Street since like 1981. So it's just independent thinking. 
that that made that happen. And if you watch the It miniseries, there's not any of that. Like it's clearly not influenced by Nightmare on Elm Street. But this is heavily like very. It's even got Nightmare on Elm Street on the the marquee. Like yeah, part five. I I had never put that together that this is a much more Freddy Krueger version of Pennywise. It is, dude. Yeah, all the it isn't real. It isn't real. I take my power back right. from you. Like that's that's Freddy defense. Yeah, and and, and honestly, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> like I think that's a good decision, a good update. Like people know Freddy Krueger, uh, make Pennywise a little more Kruger esque, and you kind of tap into fears we already have. Well, I mean, it, it worked in that newest season of Stranger Things, and I was okay yeah, with it there. Absolutely. So. Yep. Yeah, I am fine with people, like because yeah, honestly, like we we look back at stuff like Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers and, and, and Jason Voorhees. And we're like, yeah, you know, like hip slasher guys. And it's like, no, 40 years ago, guys, like in the eighties, 40 years ago was the universal monsters. Yeah. So we need new monsters and maybe they'll be influenced by Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, et cetera, but they can't just be them. We need new monsters for this era and pennywise kind of taking some of of freddy krueger i mean i know 1990 pennywise will always stick with 80s kids or whatever but this this pennywise is going to stick with an entire new generation um to have that freddy krueger influence i think is is smart it's a good update well and honestly too like the the flashback scenes with with the kids yeah um I'm so conflicted about because I will yeah. say they they are the the best parts of this movie. They are sure. the scariest parts of this movie, mm-hmm. but also one of this movie's greatest weaknesses. Yep. Okay, so for one, anytime we see a flashback to the kids and they're encountering it, like pretty much everybody has their own one-on-one encounter with Pennywise yep. that we see mm-hmm. in a flashback. Okay, they're scary and they're suspenseful at times. Um, especially in my opinion, Eddie's like when he's down there oh, and his man. mom is like strapped to that chair and there's the, it's is the, the leper in the yeah. bag, like mm-hmm. tied to the ceiling. Like that's so hellraisery and fucked up. Like yeah. that's, that's great to me. That's really, really scary. Uh, so even whenever you build these really well-crafted scary scenes with these kids, you ultimately know they are not in danger. They get away. I'm watching a movie where they're grownups remembering this. Therefore, I know they do not die. Like, even though Pennywise is in the locker with Ben, I know Ben gets away because yeah. <laughs> adult Ben started this story. So it's not yeah. it's not scary. These so, would have been more effective in Chapter 1, which actually was uh, uh, Muschietti's original plan to put them in Chapter 1, but it would have made it Chapter 1 like two hours and 40 minutes and a wise decision was made to not make a movie that they didn't know was going to succeed two hours and 49 minutes. Well, yeah, they should have made that wise decision with the sequel as well. Yeah. Honestly, like if there was ever a recut version where it's just like all the childhood stuff in part one, all the adult stuff in part two, I would be like, okay, that would probably work better. Like, give me a yeah. really long version of It Chapter 1. I'm probably okay with that. Give me a have, shorter version of the adult yeah. story. I'm probably going to be fine with that. I did read that Muschietti wants to do a supercut, um, kind of like the original miniseries. That would be just part one and part two together. Yeah. Um, and, and I could see that working. I, I honestly, like, this is one of those, like, when we did Pet Cemetery, it made me 
just go edit Pet Cemetery to make it better. And I really yeah. wish I could post that for people. Like watching this the entire time, I was like, "This is what I would take out. This is where I would move that." This, like I was just thinking, like I sh- I would if there were any way for me to edit this movie to show to people, I would do it because there are very clear and easy ways to fix this movie. Totally agree. And and like I. I think you could improve this movie maybe even half a star just by taking out Angel of the Morning in that scene oh when God, the dude. leper pukes on Eddie. Ugh, the way the way they choose to use some of those humor bumps, like, come the fuck on, yeah. man. You just ruined all the tension. You, you all took the it away. fucking tension, man, yeah. man. I want to talk more about the humor in the movie in a second, too. But the thing that really bugs me about all the, the flashbacks to the kids in this is it makes me feel like they were not confident enough that they had built a relationship with the audience and the kids from the first movie. And that if they just showed us the grownups, we're not going to care about them enough. So they have to keep reminding us like, remember the kids remember when they were kids, remember how you liked them in the first one. Um, There's actually kind of an interesting podcast that I listened to earlier this week. Uh, Corey Wong, who's a awesome, awesome, funky guitar player. He's Mm -hmm. got a podcast called Wong notes, which I think is a hilarious name. And uh, he had a guest on there a couple weeks ago, Julian Lodge, who's this incredible uh, jazz guitar player. And they just had this conversation about how, like, there's guitar players that try to do the thing where you're playing, you know, a solo, but you're also kind of playing the chords behind it at the same time, but it's all Uh kind of half-assed because you're multitasking. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And the way that Julian phrased this, I thought was so brilliant, man. He said, by acknowledging the thing that's not there you're reminding me that it's not there. Yes. That's so perfect to me. Yes. Where it's like, if if you hadn't been half-assedly playing a bass line behind your solo, uh-huh. I wouldn't have even thought, damn, there's a bass line missing. If you hadn't right. been faking, you know, playing some kind of funky, uh, slappy, poppy drum groove behind your guitar part, I wouldn't have even thought to myself, where's the drums? Like with this movie, it felt like they were just acknowledging we don't have the emotional impact that we're wanting here. So here's some kids. It's true. With the adults, they don't. They don't have the chemistry. They don't have the the emotional impact. Like some of them have chemistry, as we said. Uh, Bill Hader and and, and, uh, James Ranson are fucking perfect together. But uh, they don't have that chemistry. And I think some of it is like... They should have had, instead of the flashbacks, they should have had all of them doing these things together and growing together like the kids did in the first one. And then we care about these people. But instead, they show flashbacks to the kids because they're like, we know you care about the kids. But then the flashbacks to the kids feel off because in so many of them, the kids are de-aged. We're talking about 15-year-olds instead of 12-year-olds. Like... Several of them grew like six inches. Like their yeah. voices were different, it, and their faces look de-aged sometimes. And it is so like it's so disconnected. It does not feel even as charming as it chapter one because there's so many layers of CGI and stuff going on, and people pretending to be twelve from the perspective of fifteen. And it's like this is just not working for me. I was going to ask you if the de-aging bugged you, because I know that was a big complaint with a lot of people. Like, for me, it it didn't really bug me that much because it is flashback. Like, we're looking at memory. So, if you put that Vaseline over the lens and stuff looks a little fuzzy, I'm like, oh, it's memory. Like, I'm 
I'm okay with that personally, but I know for a lot of people, they're like, yeah, the de-aging just really took me out of it. Well, I, I think they also did some like pitch adjustment on some of the voices because some of the yeah, voices have gotten did. lower uh-huh. too. They didn't did. bug me personally, honestly. Well, the thing is that it's like, I also just felt like the kids were being asked to jump back into the characters, but only for a brief time. And several of them had other projects going on. Like Finn Wolfhard sure. was simultaneously filming Stranger Things season three. Like it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I just feel like they weren't bringing as much because how could they, they weren't, yeah. this wasn't their film. They were just being asked to shoot some kind of un like disconnected scenes. And, being told to like maybe make your voice younger and hey but don't stand so tall like i mean like (laughs) (laughs) be short i don't know yeah yeah, i i think you know even though they are still good and and, uh the the eddie scenes i think man that kid's just so good Uh, he's great fucking awesome yeah he's just really great Uh, i i think the kid scenes are still some of the best stuff but I do. I do really love the, as we said, the the little girl under the bleachers, and when the skateboard kid Dean gets killed in the the Hall of Mirrors, the the Paul Bunyan thing is an issue because I like it. It's so silly and ridiculous in the middle of the day for this big wooden statue to be like scaring this guy or kid. Um, but then it also looks bad. It just doesn't it look good, so it doesn't work. Uh, dude, and here's the thing. is like I like that in this movie, you know, especially with Pennywise being this, this creature that, you know, shapes itself around whatever your fear is. Whatever it is that's going to scare you, that is what it's going to disguise itself as. It is not, you know, in reality, a clown, you know? Yeah. That's never its actual body. Um, I like the fact that, you know, in this movie, it is inhabiting these different forms because adults aren't going to be scared of this clown like they were when they were kids. Yeah. Um, And in fact, it's kind of playing on childhood fears. Like whenever uh, Richie was a kid, that big Paul Bunyan statue used to, to freak him out. And and I get that. That that is kind of the thing that would freak you out as a kid, like Uh thinking that the statue might've moved or whatever. Right. That's cool. But goddamn, dude, the CG sucks. It just sucks. It's so like, bad. This just came out in 2019, and we're sitting here watching it in 2022, and it's like, this already looks dated as fuck. Like, it seems like there is never any real threat or any real danger because these things that are chasing these people that are trying to kill them just seem completely weightless. Yeah. Any of them. The Paul Bunyan, the old lady in the apartment, they have no density or gravity to them because they're not fucking real. Go back and look at the 1990 miniseries Chinese restaurant scene and all of the stuff that comes out of the fortune cookies is practical and it still looks great. Dude, compared to this little like what is it like a baby like a a little baby bird that has a baby head on it that looks like fucking shit. It looks like yeah. a damn PS2 cutscene. And also too knowing that you could put minimal effort into that and make that physically. You could make yes. that, dude. Yeah, that's that is my Using issue. Using CGI here. for the stuff that you don't have to use CG for, dude. Like I, I was watching this movie with Kate the other night, and it got to the uh, the old lady in the apartment scene. Uh huh. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess like whenever she she rushes out of the darkness and it's this big, huge, tall lady. Uh, it's, it's good. Kind that of shocking that... initially. Yeah. 
But, the, but then, especially when you know it's coming and you're watching for it and you're like, oh, this just looks fucking fake as shit. Yeah. Like, dude, Meg Mucklebones in Legend looks a thousand times scarier. Yeah. Because it's real. Because they made a huge fucking animatronic, you know, creature and shot it wisely rather than just showing you the whole fucking thing stomping around an apartment, running at the camera and shit. Yeah. It doesn't look scary to me, man. No, it looks like, uh, it looks like uh, Smeagol's girlfriend. Um, right? Yeah. Whoa, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, and the thing is that all the tension that had been built up before that by the 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 old lady who played the character, the actress is amazing. She's yeah, doing she's such cool. a good job of being a weirdo. And yeah. like the little like moments in the back, like when she, when it shows her closing the door and her eyes are just kind of glazed over. And then like, you see her kind of moving around in the background and then she's naked and just kind of runs a little bit past the, the kitchen door. All of that was so good for the yeah. tension to then be kind of destroyed when, yeah, as if you, the second time you see it, you're like, what a goofy face. What a I know, silly, right? like, bad-looking... And and the thing is, they did have a person in a suit, but it's clear they've then covered that up with CGI. Like, like Do you know what's a million times scarier? The fucking old lady that comes out of the bathtub in The Shining, which yep, is just and that's, an old lady with rotten applications on that's her. It. That's a billion times way fucking scarier, scarier. Way scarier. And, and yeah, I think uh, also... As you mentioned, running at the camera. That's something this movie does a lot. And oh, my God, dude. It Chapter 1 has Pennywise coming at the camera a couple times. Sure. Um, and that's kind of Pennywise's thing. He's He knows he's putting on a show. Coming at you, when, bro. Yeah. When, uh, when Patrick Hockstetter, the zombie version, which looks great and is already frightening as fuck when you first it does. see it. It looks cool. Then for some reason comes shim- like shimmering at the camera, shimmering. Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but he, <laughs> he's very shiny. Shimmying. He's just yeah. like at the camera. It's like, who's that for? He's I not know. here to scare Henry. Um, the, he's yeah, Henry's he's fucking scare- dude. He's like here to bring him his knife and take him around to do Pennywise's dirty work. Like, why would he be acting that way? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It makes no sense. And then like. Yeah, like so many other things just come running at the camera that it's like, it was already scary. Like you having it run at the camera reminds me I'm watching a movie, which That's takes the, thing, the fear right? away. Yep. Also, and I'm trying to remember from the book, but also, I mean, clearly in this movie, whatever happens to Patrick, he's just like this zombie chauffeur. Yeah. And then Henry <laughs> he gets killed. Disappears. Yeah. Where's he go? Like, yeah, what's, his, know, what's I, his movie? I want Patrick Hockstetter's zombie road trip yeah. as a series. Show me that. Sure, I'd watch I it. Do, I do love that he has a zombie chauffeur. It's just like, that's such a cool supernatural thing that does it doesn't try to explain how that's happening, like how this is working at all, but nope. it is. It's um, fine. That's cool by me. It, it's also, it's, um, I don't know, like... Having Patrick Hockstetter there is is one of those things that, like, the first movie did a good job of setting him up as uh, Bowers' friend, but didn't set him up in the way the book does. Is like, no, actually, they're, like, kindred spirits in a lot of ways, and, like, there's a huge well, there's, connection between them, and yeah. there's almost a gay sex scene, like... Yeah, there is. I mean, there's a yeah. scene where he gives him a fucking hand job out in yeah. the woods by that old refrigerator or whatever. Like, yeah, it's, that's right. It, it mm-hmm. gets really dark. It really yeah. kind of gets into those characters' 
self-loathing, self-hatred shit. Yeah. It gets fucking dark. And again, it just gets more domery when you add that angle onto it. Yeah, I wish they had kind of gone into that more in chapter one. So then, I mean, it, it is already just cool that Hawksteader shows up and gives him his knife and then they travel around trying to kill the people they wanted to kill before. But there, there's not as much like emotional connection to it as there is if you do know the background of their, you know, very fucked up relationship. Oh, yeah, man. Now, like, some of the CG in there, you were talking about the Paul Bunyan scene a second ago, yeah. like, which, which again, I, I just think looks fucking stupid. I think it looks terrible. Chief Woodenhead in Creepshow 2 looks realer than yeah. this Paul well, Bunyan stomping around. Yeah, and that's practical effects, though. So Exactly. Yeah. But, like, at the end of that scene, I was watching this scene earlier before we did the show, and after Richie runs away... It shows Pennywise and his clown form, and he's like, come back and play with the clown. Right. And then, for zero fucking reason, they do mm-hmm. this, like, face stretch yeah. on Pennywise. What is that for? Um, Why? The only thing I could think of was that it looked like the painting, Stanley's uh, painting that he was afraid of. I guess but kind of. Kind of. And, and it's like, it's almost like they're trying to do, because, like... You know, Bill Skarsgård can do the, like, floating eye thing yeah. that he does several times. It's almost like they're trying to do that to a like, even greater extent. Like, his mask is falling, but why? Why there? It's just like a momentary acid trip where you're like, stuff is moving. What the fuck? Right. Oh, the scene's over. Whatever. Yeah. It's not scary. It's like they really just got kind of heavy-handed and, and overzealous there with the CG, man. Um, yeah. Which, of course, you know, is also massively prevalent in the last Ugh. fucking hour of the movie, the final battle where we go down into Pennywise's lair, which is just a huge green screen set. Like it, and it's holy it, shit. It's lazy. It looks like a video game. Final boss battle. A hundred percent. Three. Like, yes, it's, it's not even up to date. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like if it looked like, uh, an Xbox One or whatever is the newest thing, PS5, whatever. Uh, if it looked like <laughs> that, it would probably be one of those things where you're like, oh, that looks great. Uh, you see this and it's just stark how bad it looks. How, it how does, fake it look, is. Nothing yeah. blends together really well. No. And, and here's the thing, man. Like I know that a lot of people with the book and with the original series, they got all super pissed at Stephen King where it's like, Oh, it's a spider at the end. What, what in the heck is going on here? I thought it was a clown the whole time. It's like Pennywise was never a clown. No, that was just a form that it right. inhabited. I can't it, remember how clear the, the TV series made that in did. the book. It's explicitly clear. Like he is the a shape shifting thing. The miniseries uh, final battle is the best part of the miniseries because it is a practical alien spider and they beat it to death. Cool. And it is fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, man. So in this, it's kind of confusing because we never really see what Pennywise actually looks like because no. it gives us Spider Clown. Yep. And at first I was okay with that because I was like, okay, you know, people aren't going to be mad that it turns out to be a giant spider or whatever. That was like a long running Stephen King joke. Oh, it turns out it's a spider. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, that's kind of a cool way to have your cake and eat it too. It's still Pennywise, but it is sure. also this spider creature. But but like, why is it still Pennywise? Why does it still have a clown head and these like fractal yeah. clown hands? Like, we're not actually seeing the true form of 
Pennywise here. That's still a disguise that it's putting and, on. And, you know, earlier, of course, we're shown a human form of Pennywise and told this is his daughter. That is confusing to me, too, it dude. Is, I, what yes. are they trying to say here? Because, like, in this movie... They go down to to his like lair where you know he crashed down to Earth forever ago, and Mike uh-huh. is like, he's probably been here millions of years. But then earlier in the movie, yeah, we had that old lady being like, my dad came here from overseas, and he was a clown. And then yeah. we have this flashback of yeah, Pennywise like putting his makeup on and cutting his face or whatever. And again, it gets that's- really murky. Like, so wait, was he a man who was with the circus at some point? I don't know. That that is Bill Skarsgård out of his paint and then putting on actual paint, and that is another scene where Bill Skarsgård's doing great because he's actually act. on set and getting to yeah. act. Yeah, imagine uh, that. But yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense because like yes, anybody who's read the book can be like, well, here's the explanation. The movie, however, does not provide an explanation as to how that is the case. It gets the muddy. Mov- it gets the movie real muddy. makes it muddy. Yeah. And, and and the fact is, yes, that is, I mean, I guess his daughter, this this avatar of his that he uses to scare people, but it, like he's he's got a ton of avatars. The, this isn't an actual like familial relationship. Yeah, that just got really confusing to me. I was like, why did they include that? Why did they give us this 1920s Pennywise out of costume as a man thing? I don't I understand don't that. I don't you know? know. I mean, it. it it's it's interesting, sure, but you don't go far enough into it for us to care and then get like some resolution about that. Like, yeah, I, I just feel like this really needed a, an editor <laughs> and it needed a producer from the beginning to be like, don't apparently the like total runtime of, of all the, the footage they shot was like about four hours, a four Oof. hour movie. Woof. Um so they they've cut down an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> um, that's good. <laughs> that's good. But that's also like the producer should have never let them shoot all this shit. They should have been know. like, w- "You don't need that. You do don't not need, need that. These don't scenes. need that." Yeah. yeah. And then an editor should have been given way more leeway to be like, "We don't need these things. I know we paid for them, but we don't need them." Yep. Wait for the special edition DVD, but yeah, in theaters, you get your three-hour version or whatever. Yeah, under two and a half, man, mm. for sure. What did you think about that final form of it with its kind of spider crab sort of uh, manifestation? Were you cool with it or not? I mean, I was, I was cool with the idea that they were like. I mean, I guess, I guess they assume audiences were confused by the shift to galactic spider, and it's a girl. What I know, right? Whoa. Yeah. But, and yeah, I, I think you, you're right. Like the initial reaction for me is, oh, okay. It, I mean, it's still Pennywise to remind the audience what it is, but it's the spider form. So, okay, I can see that. It would have made more sense if they had done it like he turns into this gigantic spider type of thing. And then as they're beating Pennywise, it starts to reveal the galactic spider behind it. That yeah, this been incomprehensible fucking yeah. uh, Lovecraftian form. Here's the thing, though, dude. Like, if I was a Pennywise and I really wanted to terrify people and kill them, I would just kind of rock that form all the time. Yeah, it seems like the easiest way to 
let people know, like, oh, big scary alien. But he has to draw them in. I mean, that's kind of his thing. He has to draw them in. And he has to, like, siphon off that fear. Um, which he is, has to Monsters, Inc. them. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's the Monsters, Inc. plot. That yeah. he ne- he needs fear to to survive, but I mean it, it is though really like Monsters yeah. Inc is it Junior? Let's be yeah, honest, it is it is for sure, and I I think that that um, yeah I I think I accept the the reasoning of he has to appear as something you know kind of approachable but also underneath very scary. Yeah, yeah, I like that, but yeah the. Galactic Spider is scary enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like if you've read if you've read the book, and you know that the entire you know ending that deals with the ritual of Chud and the the yeah. battle of wills, like especially right. the battle of wills thing, like that's literally unfilmable. I think that that's really no, yeah. one of the coolest parts of the book. Whenever Stephen King is describing this metaphysical, interstellar, interdimensional battle of wills going on between. You know, it, which is this creature that's existed since the dawn of time, and the turtle guiding the mind of of Bill and them to try to fight this thing. There's really no way to do that. Like, you you can't. You can't show that on a two-dimensional film screen. You can't do it. Which, again, also kind of goes back to, is it even the best idea to turn it, the book, into a movie? Probably not, considering there is unfilmable stuff in there. I would absolutely watch an It animated series. You could get wild with that, probably. Yeah, you could. You probably could make an It animated series that would piss off the average viewer, but book people would love it. (laughs) Yeah. So, after they fight, like, the, you know, the big big crab uh, spider form of the thing, and then they figure out, like, oh, we can make it small because the... The other mystical brown people, the Native Americans, have this thing that everything must abide by the the shape it inhabits. So if we make it small, we can beat it. And whenever Pennywise kind of turns into like the little baby Pennywise and he he puts his head against that rock and like his dome is like inflated or like deflated rather. And it's just Mm kind of like this. It's like a shriveled balloon sort of head. Yeah. I remember whenever we watched that in theaters, a ton of people laughed. Whenever he put his head back against the rock and... It, again, it kind of looked like a fucking used condom or something. Is what yeah. his head looked like. People laughed at it. I, I kind of thought that was interesting. It looked so helpless and pathetic that it did kind of worked for me. And, well, and laughing at it then is the kind of appropriate response because he's been so frightening and whatnot up to this point that now he's just this little pathetic thing. It's like pitiable, even. Um, but yeah, I, the, it's. It's a, a good image, I think, the deflated Pennywise. But, of course, we get there by a bunch of people saying, you're a clown! <laughs> yeah, yeah that, you know what? That's the best line they could come up with. You're a clown. Like, bro, I'm wearing the makeup. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for you, guys, you know? So yeah, the other I, problem, too, with this whole final battle is, is that we've spent... The I'm gonna say well like two thirds of the movie basically with these people going through their hometown trying to find these lost totems of their past mm-hmm. to use in this ritual of of chud or chud depending yeah, on which, which part I've, of the movie yeah. you're watching exactly 
And then at the end, well, none of that works anyway. Also, Mike knew that it didn't work yeah. uh, with the Native Americans, and he lied to our gang, telling mm-hmm. them that it, it would work. So essentially, well, it kind of tells yeah. you most of this movie was pointless then. Yep. Yep. And it feels that way, too. That's kind of how it hits when you find out that Mike has been lying. It's like, oh, so all of this was pointless. Yeah. And you basically were just going to let a bunch of people die yeah for no reason what what <laughs> and it's okay. like okay so none of the the magic of the of the native americans was true it turns right. out what you need to do is bad mouth it turn <laughs> it into a baby and rip its heart out it. you gotta bully yeah, you it. have to bully it like uh-huh. that is that's what happens oh it's like oh okay it's no it's not the magic it's not about yeah remembering your past and overcoming your fears you just have to bully it back yeah Bullying, what? <laughs> the cause of and solution to all of Stephen King's problems. Interesting. <laughs> that's strange, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. I and and of course that's not the book ending. Um, but as an ending, it it really is so flat. Like that. The fact that they keep making jokes about how Bill's books. The endings suck, which is kind of a a Stephen King complaint. Like people complain that a lot of his endings suck, which is it's true. It's true. Um, And boy, did they ever remind you of that in this? Though, holy shit! There's like I I was keeping a tally. I think there's like somewhere between like six and eight references to the endings not being any good. And you know, it kind of goes into the thing we've talked about, where it's like if you acknowledge it, you defang the criticism. But holy shit, how dumb do you think I am that you have right. to tell me 20 times, the ending <laughs> sucks. And, and here's the thing. It could just be like a big shaggy dog story joke because the movie keeps telling us that, you know, the ending's going to suck. And then Pennywise is flat. The ending is flat and bare and bad. And they, to end it, basically tell it how bad it is. <laughs> is this just a big long fucking joke on us like you sat right. here through two movies to get to this look at you idiot grown-ups beating up a clown how hard <laughs> did you think this would be come on and and in this case we're the clown <laughs> <laughs> it's like the meme with the guy putting on the clown makeup yeah uh-huh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah. kind of is what it comes down to isn't it yeah i i don't i don't appreciate this ending at all nothing about it works for me now wait do you mean the ending or do you mean the 10 endings that happen (laughs) after that return of the king style because the movie makers were like okay i know before we go you want to see the kids again here's the kids okay before we go i know you want to see the town again here's dairy check it out before you go here's stanley's suicide letter to everybody and here's the kids again and here's dairy and we here's Mike talk again. about that suicide note because it's a problem. Um, here's the thing, man. <laughs> like, dude, honestly, it would have been more impactful if it just would have been like Stanley would rather kill himself than go back to this town where he almost got his face yep. eaten off by this cosmic monster. That's enough to put gravity on his suicide to me. Yep. Instead, they frame it as like, I did it for you guys. Hope I did it because I'm brave. I See did you in it hell. 
like yeah. what <laughs> yeah i it doesn't make any sense i mean it, it like the idea in the book and the miniseries is that he is so afraid he instantly goes and kills himself and doesn't leave a note and it's brutal it's dark. so afraid and it yeah. is dark it's very dark yeah i making it about him like i don't know mind tricking pennywise somehow i it does one of the uh, complaints i saw about it is that it could give someone the idea that suicide sometimes is the answer that it is a good uh, thing woof yeah yeah and that's that's a that's problematic a bad position to take mm boy i hadn't even really thought about that but yeah just yeah, kind of frame like sometimes the suicide is helpful maybe right? yeah, he's doing it really with his with his best intentions you'd be a burden to them you hear right that's uh, a good thing no no <laughs> no not good this is a bad thing yeah i i i think if yeah not having a note at all is the better way to go if you do have a note definitely don't try to excuse it away maybe have him say like i was frightened to the point that I could not possibly imagine living. Yeah. Yeah. And that would make sense because he almost got his fucking face eaten off in the sewer by yeah. this fucking intergalactic monster. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I get it. Yeah. The in the book, like Pennywise, what is it? Uh, Bev's uh, abusive boyfriend or whatever, like shows up in the, the lair and just like instantly dies of fear. Right. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, the fact that, uh, yeah, the fact that Pennywise is that frightening kind of gets lost in this one. It does, except I will say, again, as a a high point for the movie, something that was done really well, I do love that scene in the final battle where Bill Hader is kind of getting cocky. And then he just ends up in that fucking tractor beam of the deadlights and is just instantly, <laughs> it's like a switch flips it's, and he's just yeah. off. But it's also that is fucking sick. I think that that's sick, really cool. And he did a great job of it. Problem is, uh, as someone who's who's watched a ton of Bill Hader comedy, I've seen him do that for laughs. So when it happens, really, it, yeah, oh, <laughs> when it happens, I, I just think it's funny. Even though it is, you're right. It is so fucking like perfect and good. And he took it's something cool. that he does as a goof and made it like a great moment in the scene. But for I some think it's reason, rad. every time I see it, I think like, oh man, he's making a funny joke. What's going to happen next? That that scene to me is one of those deals where it really shows the weird, like interdimensional cosmic presence of it very well, where it instantly just turns this guy's brain off. Like yeah. he was mid sentence mm-hmm. and suddenly it's mouth agape, eyes rolled back. There's this like really low, brrr, like yeah. hum going on when he's in that like orange beam. And then, I really love whenever the the camera pans over and it shows you the real form of it in these three circling deadlights. Right. That is like feeding through the back of the head yeah. of the spider creature. It's almost like, you know, uh, so many classic video game boss battles where it's like, oh, that's the weak point or whatever. Right. Uh, I think that that's really, really neat. I love that it showed that siphoning of power um, from the deadlights to the back of the head of what mm-hmm. our perceived form of it is. Yeah. Again, maybe if you're watching the movie, not knowing the lore of it, you might not know what that the that's the happening. deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, that's cool. It's like you're seeing yeah. the, the real incomprehensible form of this creature uh, and how it can just 
paralyze the mind of a human being instantly. Again, you kind of go with like, well, why didn't you just lead with that? Just do right. that all the time, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What, but I do think that's really cool. Are the deadlights like they they need to be in good shape to do that? Like, <laughs> yeah, they have to train. <laughs> that's my why best it light. takes 27 years. They have to train to be able to do that. That might be the thing, right? <laughs> I think that's cool. Um, there's also a lot of like subtle uses of the number three throughout the movie that I think is neat, like kind of playing on the three deadlights. Like there's three yeah. drops of blood that drop on Bev's head whenever mm. she wakes up at the first of the movie. That's pretty neat. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that throughout the movie that I think is pretty cool, including, again, another high point, that cool like stop motion style shit that we see of like the the native americans encounter with oh yeah with it yeah that is cool it, it I looks think that's like really a, neat. like a music video or something like yeah it's, it's cool like a stuff. tool video or something it does, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and like the big like bird creature thing that it was inhabiting uh-huh. at that time again showing you it it just it just looks at whatever looks like whatever scares you yeah it has like the three deadlights down the center of its head like that's pretty cool i yeah, like some is. of that design stuff um, that went into this. But again, that's kind of coded in the book as well, where, you know, Pennywise the clown has this silver suit with the orange pom poms on it. Yeah. And then any other creature it would inhabit, like the mummy or whatever, it would have some resemblance of that, where it would have, yeah. you know, a shock of orange hair coming out behind the bandages or whatever. Like right. there was always some way that the uh, the aesthetic of the character was appearing through whatever form I it was inhabiting at that they, time. I think that's really neat. They do. I mean, with the the witch in the um, in the apartment, she has three mouths. The, oh yeah, the yeah, leper yeah, yeah. has like three big open wounds on its face or whatever. Like yeah, yeah. I think I think um, that carries through on a lot of them they didn't do i don't think they they tried hard enough to like keep that going with all of the different forms but it's cool like that is that is an element just like a recognizable bit like that might be pennywise there's that bit of orange or there's those three things or whatever like i I like that but yeah they don't they don't get into it, which you don't have to. Clearly, this is a almost three-hour movie. <laughs> That's yeah. too long. Don't yeah, get into not. more, please. Yeah, you don't need to get into more. Get into less. That would be a, a good idea, man. And mm-hmm. and like seriously, I think that one of the biggest problems this movie has is just its its structure overall. And I have a couple of complaints about this. Okay. Um, the entire kind of setup of this movie is. You have 30 minutes where we, we, we pick up with these characters that we knew from the first movie as adults, establish where they are, have them get their mic phone call to come mm-hmm. back to Derry. It only spends about half an hour on that. The next hour is everybody goes on a solo mission right. to find a worthless artifact where everyone remembers a time that they encountered an, an it and got away from it. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to the inn. And then there's this rhythm where it's like, well, here's Ben doing his, here's Bev doing hers, here's yeah. Bill doing his, here's Richard doing his. Just all these little solo missions and flashbacks. And then the last hour of the movie is, I don't know, all get together for final battle and many endings credits. It is it, it is that. Like they are yeah. in such a hurry to get everybody's asses to dairy where nothing is going to happen essentially. Right. I think that that pacing is a huge, huge fucking mistake. I agree. Yeah. 
I I absolutely agree because yeah we we probably see less about their their personal lives than even in the mini series. Now that I think about it, and wow, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, everybody gets like one short little scene, right? I mean, you know, it's, uh, thinking thinking just of those short little scenes and some questions that need to be answered, uh, specifically when we're seeing Eddie's. Uh, he's talking to his wife. His wife is the same actress that played his mother. I think like, that's a cool touch. I like that. That's a cool touch, but like, I would have liked a little bit more with them. Maybe you know, like right? him maybe telling her why he had to go, and they're having the same sort of arguments he had with his mom, etc. Like, there's that's enough- a weird change in the movie too, because in yeah, the book because- he owns this like lim- limousine service where he right. drives mm-hmm. important famous people around, and his wife kind of helps with it. In this, he's a risk assessment guy. Right. But like in in the book, with him having that limo driver job where his wife is also a a driver some of the times too, him leaving to go back to Derry, it it really kind of like dives into how like codependent their relationship is where she's like, you can't leave me. I have to have you here. I can't drive these people alone. I'll crash the car, blah, blah, blah. Like it's so much more like his relationship with his mom, where his mom never wanted him to go out. He's going to get hurt. He's got a rough house. He's going to break his arm, whatever. Uh, Whereas in the movie, it's like, he's, he's not doing that job for no reason, really. (laughs) Right. And it's just like, Oh, his wife looks a lot like his mom and he calls her mommy at one point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Just give me some more time with each of their backstories and less time just showing me flashbacks to when they were kids. And also, yeah, bring them together and have them do things together so we can see their chemistry together, which is what we loved about the kids. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem, man. Is that there's there's so many just solo character scenes throughout this movie, whether yeah. it be everybody going on their totem hunt slash flashback with it moment mm-hmm. or even in the uh, in the final boss battle there I guess a couple of them end up going off in pairs into those little yeah. side layers of it where they encounter something <laughs> um, you know kind of kind of scary to them or right. whatever there's just not a lot of group interaction here to build up that chemistry like Richie and Eddie have great chemistry they have the most oh, scenes together yeah. dude the way that those two like constantly bust each other's balls. Mm-hmm. I, I love. Yeah. And it's so realistic, man, because it like is. if you're, you know, if you have a friend that you've known since childhood, mm-hmm. that is how you guys talk. Like anytime yeah. I'm together, with fucking, you know, Mitch or Josh, like it's uh-huh. just ball busting all the time. That's what you do. <laughs> uh, so like their interactions, I think are really good, even to a fault because yeah. God damn it. There's so many parts where tension or horror is undercut by a joke that happens. Yeah. And it's, I, I guarantee, because Finn Wolfhard wanted Bill Hader. So they had Bill Hader in mind when they wrote the script, but they still tried to keep it a pretty general. But then when they got him, they wanted it to be a Bill Hader role. So a Bill Hader role. Do the Jabba thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna, he's definitely going to be bringing in some impressions and being funny. I mean, even though we know he can do drama i mean it, i mean barry, barry is a comedy as well but he's he's very much being a dramatic actor in it he's great uh, and he's great yeah so uh, i i think like having having bill Hader there i get that you want him to do his bill Hader thing but also like we need we need him to not undercut every moment like we need some moments to still be just scary 
Um, and then also, like, when they open the door and it's just that little Pomeranian, and it's like, oh, fuck, this is going to be something stupid, isn't it? And it Dude, is. Dude, and it is, man. And, like, of all the times to play up something that is kind of stupid slash scary like we're yeah. talking final boss battle like right this is the end of the movie and now you're just like oh here's a joke here's something silly <laughs> uh. yeah and dude like th- there's so many points in the movie that are like that to me where you know whenever i started this the other night i, I was really taken aback by like oh man bill Hader is so fucking funny in this the guy playing mm-hmm. eddie is so fucking funny yeah. in this and then I forgot how many times they essentially, you know, cut their own throats in terms of some of the tension just yeah. by being funny in places where it really didn't need to be. Like, whenever Eddie gets stabbed in the fucking face by Henry, I mean, holy shit, that it's is brutal. Yeah, it's like super brutal. Scary. Yeah, he can't walk out of the room without making a cut that mullet joke. It's a funny joke, but that's the problem is it was just a super tense scene. And now, joke, you've you've undercut the tension again. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, too, you know, it's a scene where Eddie later on is too frozen in fear to even act. Right. So, But while he was getting stabbed in the face, he could still make a cut the mullet joke. Right. Yeah. it, It is. It's inconsistent. In in the way the characters deal with things at times. I mean, specifically, Bev is the most inconsistent character from childhood because Bev in the first one is this badass who, like, you know, despite all the terrible shit happening in her life, has this, like, spark, this fire that drives her. And she's, like, she's the, the heart of the group. Yes. In this one, she's just there. Just kind of there. there. Yeah. You know? And it's not Jessica Chastain's fault. It's it's the writing, but there's just nothing going on. No. And it's like she knows a little bit of stuff due to her, her vision into the deadlights right. that she experienced when she's a kid. Like, And again, I'm not really sure exactly how that works. So she could yeah. kind of see them in the future or whatever. But she just does not have much to do other than decide which boy do I like in this. I, uh, think, if, I think if you're Ben, though, you got to feel pretty great knowing that... Uh, she had this vision when you were kids and she saw that you were going to grow up and be super successful and hot. Oh, um, yeah. But she still wasn't into you. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I, I mean, I say that he's got to feel great because that means she does actually like, like actually him like him. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's She's true. Not just, That's true. He's successful and hot. It's, she already knew that was going to happen. It didn't change her mind. What changed her mind was, realizing he was the right person the person yeah. that does care for her and really will for be all there along. yeah that's he's got to feel good about that i think yeah i think the two moments in the movie where the humor is just really 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 misplaced man like there's there's that scene during the final battle where eddie has been bishoped he's been impaled through the back <laughs> yeah uh-huh and like they're fixing to carry his body off and try to get him to the exit, and he has to make some kind of like, yeah. "Hey, I fucked your mom" joke there for yeah. some reason. It is their dynamic. I get that, uh, and so it's it's not it's not that just taking that moment out would be necessary. You'd have to take out several of the other moments we talked about where their dynamic allowed for him to be levitous, even though 
we've been shown that he would be scared out of his mind. I, I yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that like that moment, of course, fits this movie, but it's not a good moment because it undercuts a lot of the drama of what's going on in the moment. Yeah, but still not nearly as bad as that angel of the morning scene where no. <laughs> the the leper creature like pukes in yeah. his adult face, just full on this like black bile tar vomit his in biggest the face. Fear. And for some reason, we go to this slow motion and Angel of the Morning, which had just been used in fucking Deadpool before this uh-huh. came out. Yep. So it's like, okay, so we're using this in movies now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene... Okay, Here, there's a lot of problems with it. For yeah. one, uh-huh. Eddie, as you just said, is engaging in his ultimate fear. As a fucking hypochondriac, having yep. a leper puke in your face and mouth yeah is the worst thing that could ever happen to you right and it pins us with this music that makes us laugh at how disgusting it is right so it's like we're totally undercutting that character's feelings and fears in that moment but then also too the fact that you're using soundtrack as a yeah. humor delivery method is again kind of like what you're saying about the uh, the running at the camera thing. It's like it is a reminder that you're in a movie. Yeah, that the soundtrack is not happening to these people. That the soundtrack is being manipulated to try to get a certain feeling out of you as you're watching this thing. It completely takes you out of the moment and makes you go, "Oh yes, I am watching a movie." They used soundtrack as the punchline. Like, that's kind of a... That's a low low denominator of humor to me. And it it really, as we said, that that when it's showing the childhood flashback of that, it's so tense. And then we flash back to him as an adult walking toward that, you know, curtain. And and then, yeah, nothing's behind it. Fake out. It's behind him, which means the camera turned and showed us what was behind him, which... Again, showed us me, the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, pisses me off. Why not just have him open the curtain and there's the fucking thing that scares him, and have them the thing puke in his mouth and not have anything break up the tension, and that be it because it's a fucking horror movie. I know, and you know, it's like I can sit here and probably intellectually argue away. It, it is to show us that the things that we were so terrified of as a kid, yeah, are, they're not that big a deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like any of us that were fucking terrified of Freddy Krueger as a kid, it's like that's Robert England in a fucking pizza yeah. mask, dude. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's there to do that, but when you're this three hour long epic horror movie with Lord of the Rings endings, I mm-hmm. don't think that's what you're trying to say. No, I don't think so at all. I I think it really did need more oversight. The there's a lot there's a lot of fanboy to this. It, yeah. it really does feel like someone who's like, oh, I'm so excited to get to be doing this. Um, and it's like, well, that's that's nice. But the end result needs to be a movie that somebody who has no idea what it the book is comes in, sits down like, I watched it chapter one and it was fucking awesome. I'm going to watch this movie. The movie needs to be for that person. Not for Probably. the people who read the book in 1986. Yeah. Like Maybe. Uh, it, it, it is irritating. It is irritating to me that so many of the, the things that the choices in this 
they could have been fixed in pre-production. They could have been fixed with editing. This just needed somebody to step in and say no. And, and the thing is that, like, I get it. The first movie made, what, close to $800 million? Wow. So you're thinking, like, oh, this guy's fucking gold. He can do whatever he wants. Um, And this is, the budget on this is about $10 million more. And they made $430 million. So... Whoa. Obviously, the final product was not up to snuff. People, damn, I didn't not, know it was that much less. Yeah, people weren't rushing out to see it with their friends like it chapter one. So, damn, yeah, wow, it's a man. shame. Yeah, that soundtrack stuff too. It also kind of undermines or changes my opinion of the other original soundtrack parts in the movie. Like, there's some oh. stuff like at the opening of the flick that is like super dark super melodramatic um really ominous sounding and i think a lot of it was stuff that was in the first movie as well yeah but then when you use this silly soundtrack stuff it's like okay so what was that what was that about like does that change how i feel about the good dramatic dark sounding parts of the uh of the soundtrack and also too like when i watched it part one the other day I was blown away by how fucking sick the the licensed music in that is. God damn. That soundtrack to chapter one is so fucking good with that like uh the cure stuff that's in the bathroom cleaning scene, yeah. the uh that XTC song, Dear God, blah 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 blah. All that shit is fucking so good. Yeah, this movie has like no licensed music in it at all. It's such Holy a weird shit. change of tone, right? Other than the one moment breaking Angel of the Morning, wall. yeah. Yeah. Huh, I didn't realize that. No, but it's like that worked so well in the original to draw in. Yeah, the, the nostalgia. Although it wasn't using like A-list songs. Like it didn't play whatever, Friday I Am In Love. It played Six Different Ways by The Cure. Like a lot of yeah. people have never fucking heard that song and they put it in the movie. That's fucking sick to me. This movie didn't even try. No, it didn't. It's also confusing, I think, you know, again, to kind of compare the two parts where... Okay, in the book, it is constantly going between adults, children, adults, children, back mm-hmm. and forth the entire time. Yeah. The first movie is just kids. Yeah. The second movie is adults and kids, adults and yeah. kids, adults, kids. What a different narrative that is. Like, what a weird really shift is. that is. Yeah. It, it, it's gigantically different, and they should have just accepted going in, no, this is about the adults. We maybe have one flashback to the kids, uh, maybe two, but not constantly going back to the kids. Back and forth. All back the time, and back forth. and forth. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the, the editing style of this, too? Because I thought a lot of the the editing style in this was a lot more in your face than chapter yeah. one. Um, yeah. Some some of it I liked. Like I liked whenever it showed... You know, the adults go down into the clubhouse, and then the next thing you see is young Bev coming down the ladder. That's a cool transition. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I but, like that. But then there was other parts where it's like, um, let's cut to Stanley by zooming into the night sky. It's a missing puzzle piece and a puzzle he's doing. Now we zoom into that, and we're in his living room. Like Some of these yeah. choices are really weird, dude. Yeah, the missing puzzle piece thing, it would be like, that would be a, a frame for... You know, uh, this this is the guy who will be missing, right? But okay. you also think of it as like he's he's the final piece of the puzzle, meaning like he would be the last one they would show, 
And that's not what happens. You would also yeah. maybe think he's the final <laughs> piece of the puzzle, meaning he's going to show up suddenly in the end to help. No. So no. what is it is just to indicate he's the missing piece of the puzzle, the end. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of on front street. <laughs> yeah. I thought it seemed just a lot different than the original. It was just like there's not a lot of consistency between the editing styles of both chapters to me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I I think that the first one, yeah, it's it's tighter. You don't notice the edits quite as much. This definitely is it's constantly reminding you you're watching a film. Exactly. And yep. that's I mean that it just takes people out of the horror. I uh, I do understand however that a lot of people that do like this movie just like it for what it is, meaning it's clearly a mostly a comedy with some good scares in it. Um and and I could see that except it's almost 3 hours and that's I you just don't see 3 hour comedies. Dude, I and you don't see 3 hour horror movies either. Yeah, like I don't I don't know reason. how any story could keep its its scary boner up for 3 hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's, three hours, it's excessive for sure. You know? Um you were telling me some theory that you heard about Dean, the yeah. skateboard kid. I want to hear more about this. Yeah, I saw this theory that Dean, who is the kid that uh, Bill keeps trying to save, uh, the kid they run <laughs> keeps into. Keeps trying to save by running into and being right. like, why haven't you moved yet? Yeah. Move. Sell Don't your house. Don't tell your parents to move. <laughs> like, uh, wow. This kid's supposed to do Talk to his parents, maybe. I don't know. Right. Like, come on. It's a fucking kid. The there's a theory that Dean is um is Pennywise fucking with Bill. Oh, okay. All right. My my major quibble with this is that everybody sees the kid in the Chinese restaurant, but also everybody sees everything else that happens in the Chinese restaurant. But also the kid's family shows up in the Chinese restaurant. So I'm a little iffy on it. But the idea mm. being that Pennywise is using Dean to torture Bill. Like Having, you know, having uh, Dean, like, verify to Bill that he hears voices in the, the pipes and stuff is uh, playing on Bill's guilt at not saving Georgie. So, like, okay, yeah. the and then having Dean get killed right in front of Bill is, again, about, like, playing on his guilt. Because in that scene, there's no reason why Dean would be stuck in place. Yeah, it's not like they built this maze of mirrors with a fucking trap inside it. Right, yeah. So he, he should have been able to escape, but he doesn't. Um, also, I would think that would make like national news. Like, right. young child liquefied in maze of mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck happened? Yeah, I mean, and that, that scene is really cool. And, and I'd prefer to, you know, just assume that Dean is, is just a character and that just like all the other kids in, in Derry has to worry about Pennywise. But I can see how that theory kind of works, that it's just Pennywise torturing Bill. But he can also just torture Bill by showing him Georgie. So, mm, yeah, totally. yeah I, don't, I don't know if that's what they were intending or if they just really wanted. Because the kid kind of, the first time we see him, you know, he serves that, like, potentially fake out role like again if people are right about him that he's just pennywise he's not faking them out he's fucking with them but when he says uh what is it uh the uh, fun's about to begin fun's or about whatever. to begin yeah. yeah which is apparently a connection to uh bill Hader richie's um stand-up set that that is a moment where 
it it seems like what it's supposed to be doing is showing us just how on edge they are yeah. and not necessarily showing Pennywise. But I, I can get with the idea that Dean is, in fact, just a projection of Pennywise. Um, I do also want to just... I forgot to mention this when we were deciding what we were going to talk about. I thought about this and recontextualizing this into 2016. The fact that Richie is a popular comedian in 2016 who doesn't write his own jokes makes me assume that in the past few years he's either it's either been uh he's he's started a podcast about how canceled he's gonna get um (laughs) or he has recently been discovered that he's been texting 14 year olds like like (laughs) something's going on there right right because that is i mean popular popular comedians now not just popular but i mean successful money-making comedians now that's kind of the primary avenue to make it (laughs) and Mm -hmm. in the 80s it would have just been like with harry anderson like well yeah okay i mean it's uh it's a a prime time for for stand-up comedy maybe he's doing uh you know he was obviously doing his lame jokes i don't know if you remember the miniseries he was doing godzilla jokes but uh, (laughs) but like knowing that richie has become super popular as a comedian in 2016 it recontextualized and kind of everything is recontextualized because how in the fuck ha, name a single architect right now like just <laughs> like architect. modern right yeah well, i don't yeah. know <laughs> uh, so ben hanscom as an architect who lives in clearly multi-million dollar house i, I just i don't know how you'd go from absolute poverty to that in hmm. the 2000s. <laughs> I just don't know how that happens <laughs> without being an absolute piece of shit. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Every one of them is successful. And that kind of, I mean, obviously being successful in the 80s was a little bit easier is what I'm saying. Uh, you still had to be a piece of shit, but it was a bit easier. There was more money on offer. And now recontextualizing it in the 2010s it's like well man this is it is unlikely you'd all be super successful and okay people hmm just unlikely that's fair that's yeah. fair man but when you know, spe- speaking of you know pennywise using georgie to to mess with bill like i also think that that that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie and i think one of the strongest messages in this movie and i wish that the entire story would have played into this more whenever bill is on his, his little solo mission there towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's back in the basement and he's back there with, you know, Georgie in the water being like, you let me die. Yeah. You, you lied, you lied about being sick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like all that stuff. And he has to drown Georgie in the water. And then yeah. he confronts his younger self and his younger self is, you know, full of guilt and feels like he's the reason that Georgie died and he he literally kills this old image of himself. Yeah. I think that that, that is really kind of ultimately the strongest point of this movie, where it is yeah. talking about, like, not only do you have to get by the thing that traumatized you, you have to kill the old version of yourself that feels bad about it. It is not your fault. Yes. Like, I, I think that that is so good and so powerful, and I think that there was a lot of opportunity for that. Like... Like, like Bev shouldn't have been encountering this 
this old golem woman. She should have <laughs> been encountering her dad. Yes. Agreed. Like, it, it kind of goes into, you know, maybe when you were a kid, yeah, you were scared of the mummy or the Dracula or whatever, but ultimately it was your guilt. It was your trauma. It was yeah. Richie being picked on and being suspected of being gay. It was mm-hmm. Bev and her abusive dad. Yeah. Like those were the real things you need to deal with yeah, as they, an adult. That's they, good. I mean, it's connected there, but it's obscured. By, you know, the idea is that she is, Pennywise, in this case, is an abusive dad, and he's the one that she's confronting there, but it should just be her dad. She should have gone back there, and her dad is there, and it's scary. Yeah, are you still my girl? Like, all right. of that shit is, is so creepy and so gross and uh, so relatable, of course, for a lot yeah. of people, unfortunately, that that would have been more powerful than being like, I don't know. Scary old big lady with swinging boobs. Isn't it gross and scary? Isn't the she human body tall. gross? Yeah, like, ugh. Give it something relevant behind it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I wish that those issues were dealt with more. I guess Ben's is also kind of like that, where, you know, Pennywise as Bev is like, nobody will ever love you. You're fat and gross. Right. Like, that's pretty well done, I think. Yeah, and uh, he's, he's still dealing with the ego issues. And, and, yeah. and that is kind of what it, that gets kind of resolved, as as I said, by him knowing that Bev knows everything about him and she loves him for the person he is. Um, I I think yeah, you're right. Like some people did get more of a personal resolution, and then Bev, yeah, she just gets rando. Who's this lady? <laughs> situation. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Same as the Paul Bunyan thing. It's like yeah. I mean, ultimately, Richie's entire thing could have been somebody finding out his secret, which Pennywise kind of toys with, but that has fuck all to do with Paul Bunyan. Right. They just wanted to include that scene from the book. From the book. Exactly. Which, if you're watching the movie, you're like, what what is this? Why is this big statue of Paul Bunyan suddenly chasing him around? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like there was a lot of opportunity to deal with your fears as a child versus what they were really just projections of. Um, yeah. You know, growing as an adult and realizing where a lot of your actual traumas were, I think that there was a time and a place in this movie to deal with that, and they just barely scratched the surface. When they did, it was good, but oh, yeah. it should have been more about that to me. Yeah, this movie definitely does some good and then kind of undercuts all that good all by being way too long and... Way too silly. Way too silly, yeah. Yeah, I yep. agree, man. And I think that humor was just them being like... Guys, we can't really make adults being afraid of a guy in a clown suit with an egghead be scary. So <laughs> right. let's just fucking lean into being silly. And it's like, yeah. well, no, you could have dealt with actual childhood traumas and how those manifest yeah. as a grown up, and that would have been yeah. more than enough. That would have been better. So absolutely, I don't know, man. I I have a lot of fucking issues with this movie. I'm definitely, I'm going to be okay with watching it part one and, not and calling it a day up. after yeah. that. I still like it chapter one a lot. This movie doesn't um it doesn't tarnish my image of it chapter one. To me, they are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll always have, yeah, chapter one and I'll always have an idea of what I think they could have done here. But you know, again, it's like if they would have done a lot of the things that we were talking about that would have made it better, 
you'd piss off a lot of people that were traumatized by the series as a kid. You'd piss off a lot of people that are hardcore about the book. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're always going to piss somebody off, but ultimately if you can tell a better story, fuck it. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I, I do also think they, as you said, they, they put too much stock in that other audience in the, the audience that is coming because they love the 1990 miniseries or the audience that is coming because they love the book. Because I guarantee you the ticket sales for It Chapter 1 were a lot of teenagers seeing this entire concept for the first time in their life. Yeah. And they don't need all that. And and it's clear, for, again, from the ticket sales that they didn't want it. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, four hundred seventy-three million. It's nothing to sneeze at, but when that's almost half of what you made previously, you've clearly done something wrong. Yeah, yeah, seems that way, man. So I don't think it's just us that feel this way about it. It seems pretty universal that most people don't like this one as much. Yeah. Um, do you have any other commentary about the flick you wanted to bring up? No, no. I, uh, I mean, after watching it three fucking times, Jesus I, Christ, I just dude, don't, I don't know how you know fucking that, did that. I don't know that I'll go back to it ever again, honestly. <laughs> I, I watched it in be... three installments, dude. Like, I watched yeah. some of it one night, some of it the next day, finished it the next day. Like, I could not do it all in one sitting. And, and I mean, yeah. So, yeah, let's just get to rating it. I, I, I think we've said all that needs to be said. And I, I think, I don't know what I rated the miniseries. I... I don't know, man. I don't know if I like the miniseries more than this. I think they're probably on about the same footing uh, because I the positives of this are, are definitely there. It's just, gosh, so many negatives. I, I, uh, it's like a four, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Like a four is what I, I get. I think that's pretty generous. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to so go too. a little lower. I, I'm going to say like, like three and a half for me. I mean... Okay. Like I said, there are some things in this that I really like. Um, there's some visuals that are cool. There's some great humor. There's a lot of misplaced humor. But when it's good, it, it is really good mm-hmm. and, and authentic. The casting is fantastic. Great, yep. But, yeah, just overall, man, th- this leaves me wanting for a, a much different movie than what we got. Yeah. But I want to hear about what you guys think about it over on our our Facebook group and stuff. I would love to hear some opinions about this stuff that we missed, things that you liked about it that we didn't, things that you didn't like that we did. I'd like to hear more about it. So uh, join up with our Facebook group. It is the best thing about Facebook. I'll say it's the only good thing about Facebook. The only good thing, yeah. So hang out with us on a group there, and also be sure to support the show on Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there, become a patron on any level. You get uh, access to our Patreon-exclusive uh, episodes. I can tell you for sure that I am going to be recording an episode with my wife, Emily Spratling. Maybe you heard of her. About, about her. The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror from, I think, season two. We're going to do all the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors for Patreon episodes. Uh, we'll, we'll do a lot of fun stuff during spooky season for sure. Yeah. But it'll, it'll definitely be fun. Emily is a huge Simpsons fan. So, yeah, head on over there, become a patron on any level. You get access to those episodes. But if you want to throw a movie into the smoking bowl, become a $5 patron. And then you can throw a movie into the smoking bowl. And then once a month, we draw from the smoking bowl. And then we cover the movie that we draw from the smoking bowl. It's a fucking gas. 
It's smoking, so don't yeah. delay. Sign up today. Uh, also, be sure to hit us up with any questions that you have about our upcoming meetup that we're doing yep. in November, November 2022. Mm-hmm. It's coming up soon. It's going to be a really good time. Looking forward to hanging yeah. out with you guys. Last week's or last week's last year's hangout was a a ripping success. It was, it was a, a lot blast. of fun yep. seeing everybody. So. I'd like to see you guys coming out and hanging out with Ja Boys here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So uh, be sure to sign up for that that Facebook group and stuff and keep in touch with us about details for that coming up soon, yep. as well as following us on Instagram and all that shit. You can find yep. our, our Linktree page, Linktree Dead and Lovely. Just yep. look it up. You'll find it. Find us on all the social media. Stay connected. Stay informed. And uh, stay tuned for next week, where we're going to be talking about uh, a recent flick that I'm really excited to talk about. We saw it whenever it came out, and we also yeah. got a fucking sequel coming out this month, too, for it already, which is yep. bonkers. And I cannot be more excited for uh, because we're going to be talking about X next X. week by Ty West, which is fucking rad. I'm so yeah, stoked to it. watch this movie again, dude. Me too. It'll be a good one. And uh, again, per- it's Pearl, right, is the name of the movie? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's coming out this month, so good timing there. Uh, check that one out to get ready for the sequel, actually prequel, that's coming out to it um, later on in the month. Yeah, it's, it's actually coming out next week. Oh, shit. Damn, yeah. perfect timing. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm excited for X. Um, I will definitely be watching a ton of 70s porn. For research. Oh. Wait, would that be related? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> It couldn't yeah, hurt. I'll I'll watch it extra hard then. Okay. All right. Wait. Wait. Like extra hard is in pay more attention or like you're like like fucking you know rigid. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I thought so. Yep. Is Preview Palace going to be like Best Bush? Is that what it's going to be? <laughs> Best Bush. Yes. Now. Now okay. it is. Yeah. You're going to be talking about like actual vag, and I'm going to be like, uh, George Sr. was better than W. I don't oh, know. I don't know if that's true. I don't know about that either. Hot <laughs> yeah. take. Yeah, hot take. I'm not really sure about that anymore, honestly. Jab. <laughs> yeah, jab, maybe. Maybe yeah. there's a jab in there. Um, Stan Bush is the best Bush. Oh, Let's there be clear. You go. Uh-huh. You got oh, what about touch. Kate Bush? She's still running Ooh. up that hill. She's running up that hill, man. Yeah. It's true. She's got the touch. You know? So Yeah, actually, you know what? Best Bush. That might be preview. Best Dallas. Bush. Kate Bush. I'll get into that. <laughs> All right, so tune in next week. We'll be talking about that one. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Like I said earlier, be sure to rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, uh, graffiti it on a bathroom wall uh, for a good time to listen to Dead Uh and Lovely podcasts. It'd be a good time. So You know what? Write a note in like cut up paper, like magazine letters and stuff, and just leave it outside a a neighbor's door. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that should work. Listen to Dead and Lovely Horror Podcasts. Or else. Or else. (laughs) I like it. Try that out. Yeah. <laughs> we and didn't sure tell to you to do it, week. though, when your no. lawyer asks where you got the idea. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Don't worry about that. Don't You don't need to include us. No, no, no. That's all you No. Nah. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. And we all float down here. Beep, beep. Bye. <laughs> All right, now listen here. Okay. I know that you probably like me in that you have a lot of times where you go there to the grocery store. Uh Uh-huh.
you get in that produce section, you start rooting around, you start getting all kinds of ideas by all that beautiful produce, that bountiful vegetables that you see on the shelves. You say, hey, I'll get some of these zucchinis. Hey, what about a squash? What you know about broccoli? Let's get the whole bunch, huh? You know, that's me. No, I'm with you. I do this all the time. And then about a week or so is going to pass by, and I look in that refrigerator, and I see all kinds of vegetables that's just going to get thrown away. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually how it goes uh, for me. So, yeah, Dude, that, it happens that is to the best of us. Yeah. You know, it happens to me, happens to you. I'm sure it happens to a lot of our listeners out there, which is why I'm just suggesting. And, you know, maybe this could even be like a government funded kind of thing. Okay. Maybe we have an agency, one in every every town, let's say, that can help people with their produce planning needs. You okay. know? Yeah, that sounds that sounds helpful. Yeah. What That's why I'm here to propose planned pepperhood coming soon to your town. Okay? They can yeah. help you with all of your food planning needs, making sure you're getting your produce <laughs> right whenever you need to cuz listen, there's so many unwanted peppers in refrigerators all you over this what? country. That Orphans. is true. Yep. That is true. Orphan peppers, that's what that's what they call them when mm-hmm. uh, you buy peppers and just let them sit. In the fridge Orphans. for too long. Orphans. Yep. Yep. Um, but I think with some uh, <laughs> some proper planning, with planned pepperhood, I think people can find the right time to acquire peppers and also get ideas right. about, you know, maybe you shouldn't buy any peppers right now. You know, maybe this is right. the right time <laughs> for you to be bringing is- home new produce. <laughs> you ain't ready. Maybe you're just not in a good spot in your life to purchase four peppers. That's too exactly. many. Yeah. Look at your bank account. You can't afford the multi-pack. Gotcha. So Plan Pepperhood steps in. I mean, now I I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just thinking there are people out there they're gonna have trouble with this. They're gonna be upset mm. at this because they think life begins when you plant the seed. Oh my god! Every every vegetable deserves a chance. You gotta get them all. Be bountiful. That's what they think. That's what they God think, made man. them peppers. They say. Yeah, yeah. So they wow. might get they might get upset with playing pepperhood for f- preventing people from potentially using those peppers, <laughs> or choosing to not use those those peppers, or choosing to not use them at all. Yeah. Mm, wow. Yeah. yeah. So there might be some opposition. You might be a little right, bit of controversy. <laughs> yeah. But but think about all the produce that won't go to waste with proper planning. So hey, I'm, I'm here for you, it personally. I'm with you. I I can't I can't watch another like uh, bunch of cilantro just wilt or you know uh, another another onion get you know that that like funk spot on it where you're oh like is God. this still good? I'm not exactly. sure. Maybe just throw the whole thing out. Oh right, yeah. So yeah, no, I I think it's a good idea to. Head on over to Planned Pepperhood with your <laughs> with your grocery list, yeah, and just have them look through it. Give some consultation. <laughs> it's a good idea. 